It's Tabletop Time. I'm Jazza, and I was the narrator for season one of Iron Spire, which I hope everyone has enjoyed. But if you haven't enjoyed it yet, don't watch this bit first, because this talks about everything very openly and leaps into speculations or plans for season two or diving into analyses or theories from season one. So, spoiler alert, if you go past this bit, it's your own fault. But I hope you enjoy the listen. Yeah. Rob. I can't believe Brick is Delvin's father. <laughs> <laughs> I am Rob, and in I Inspire, I played Brick, a a phalancal bodyguard that was tasked with protecting... Sorry, a phalancal bodyguard that was tasked with protecting uh, our party through their crazy adventure. I'm Jen, and I played beautiful lady over up here. Yet there she is, Catalina, a Thinisian woman. Oh, look, I'm patting her nose. You're getting a little nose tickle. Ah, she looks like she needs it. She looks a bit bit sad. Um, (laughs) She's a Thinisian woman who has discovered that she has the magical ability to read people's emotions, and it was her journey discovering that power. And what an amazing one it was. Final chance, spoiler warnings. I'm Dave. And I played Delvin, who was the ultimate secret keeper of the season when it was finally revealed recently that as a master of disguise, I'd successfully worn a latex skin suit the whole time. (laughs) And was in fact the sixth... All to be on the poster twice. (laughs) I was in fact the sixth race of the setting, the lizard folk. (laughs) And I moistened my eyeballs in anticipation of season two. Um, Sorry, I, I should drop my fake voice. I should moisten my eyeballs for season two. (laughs) It was really hard to hold those secrets in, but I'm really glad that it all finally came to fruition. Yay! Imagine if that had actually been the secret you'd kept in. Amazing. You were a, Would a, be so good. A reptiloid. A reptiloid. <laughs> the only yeah. one as well. Yeah, just, no, no, none other, like none other on the planet. Just one. Just you. Just you. This uh, this Q&A session is brought to you by our freaking awesome poster. Check it out. Uh, It's only going to be available for a limited time as a signed edition. So all of the cast and Alicia, the artist of the season, will be signing this and sending it out for for those of you who buy it or support it in A4 or A3 from the website link in the description. It's tabletoptime.com slash Ironspire poster. You can, of course, get it from Teespring. Uh, There is a larger size available um, unsigned, uh, but you can check that out at our Teespring page as well as our new Sparrow merch. Again, limited time. Go check it out and all of your support makes stuff like this actually possible, which is amazing. And all of the amazing thumbnails through all of season one mm. and that will continue through the next campaign are made possible not only by your support of something like this, but also because of our wonderful patrons. So this video is actually brought to you by our patrons. You're going to step in there, Dave? I was Dave? just going to say that... <laughs> I love the Sparrow merch. So get in while it's available. It is cool. probably my favourite merch we've put on the store. As much as I loved Rob's face on Whale Milk, uh, when we get ours, uh, I think you can, it's safe to say you'll be seeing Follow the Sparrow in a lot of Tabletop Time videos yeah. in the future. I think it's that's super cool. Yeah, justified. Very cool. Well done. Jen actually put that together for us. So thank, thank you, you, Jen. Ooh, very Jen's new secret job, merch queen. Yes. 
Mate, I'll take me. that crown. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so thank you everyone who supported us so far. We really appreciate it. And our patrons, as a huge thank you for their support this season, will have been asking us questions on our Patreon post. So all of the cues for this Q&A are actually from Patreon. And for those of you who are curious about our patrons, because we do thank them at the end of every episode, we also, as you may have gathered, have an after party after every uh, week's live stream but it also is worth mentioning with our weekly updates people get sort of behind the scenes glimpses get to ask ongoing questions and have stuff answered if you can't make our hangout q a's um and there was something else that occurred to me that is very awesome that patrons get oh yes patron npcs and mm. um, that's for like that's for multiple things but this we get to find out we get, we get to, to find out patrons. Yes. and you know what let's start off with that because there's a big thank you to our patrons i think there's no more fitting way oh, I'm so excited. than to open up without can we can we make our off with it opened up but there by default oh wait, 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 wait. before we do any Ainsley <laughs> I'm just kidding can we make assumptions I rolled to patron NPCs for the patron video that's going you did, out so you know who for reboot no, oh I did you you've so already got <gasps> did you so there's two people who are going to be oh. finding out very very soon that they have got their patron that's NPCs cool. for the next campaign which is oh, very exciting I'm going to scroll through a bunch you can all guess Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm just going to flick through, um, but I will say that there are three patron NPCs. Mm-hmm. I've gotten okay. all of them portrait. Patron NPC. Yeah. Who, Lilith, who was Lilith it? is okay. a patron yeah. NPC. Yep. I will lock it in. Confirmed. Lilith okay. is a patron NPC. I called cool. it. No. 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 Uh, is that High Donna Sienna? That's hard to do this. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. No. Mm, oh, can, there's arms. We there's arms. We'll keep going back. back. So we're arming on high daughter Sienna. Mm-hmm. I have justifications to go through too, if you want okay. them. Otherwise, we can just yeah. go through it quickly. Yeah, but if we like the, well, we have to get to them. Yeah, we haven't gone through everyone yet, right? Okay. No. I think Adelard yeah, is I a think, high possibility. I think Adelard too. Okay. That's Adelard, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Kind of, kind of hot. <laughs> he's, a, he's a he's a hot boy. Uh, oh. I mean, depends. On also, your Russell kind of <laughs> Edgar kind of hot. Honestly, <laughs> everyone's kind of hot. They're all kind of hot. Brick. I like a man with leathery skin. <laughs> <laughs> you cheeky little shit, Mikey. Um, where are the rest of them, though? Yeah, where are the rest of them? This, Sort of disappeared from the. Anyway, guess. Okay. I, I've made my By the way, all of those portraits are amazing. Thank you, Alicia. Thanks, Alicia. Yes. And thank you to our patrons for making those portraits possible. So I can't state enough. Your patronage really, really, really matters and helps and supports us and make, helps us take everything to the next level, which we really want to do with Reboot Season 2. So please consider mm-hmm. becoming a patron because we really put it all back in to bring you the best quality possible. All right, moving on from plugs. Let's move over to the Korean. I made my stuff. What are your do you guesses? Have any- we're missing some portraits, but... Do you have any reasonings? Well, judging by the fact he's looking for missing portraits makes me think that the missing portraits would include one of the patrons. Oh, I think I, I'm, I'm definitely going with... I think that uh, Tatters was a patron NPC. Mm-hmm. Tats, the, the, the ultimate uh, person who I smashed her skull in, mm-hmm. uh, which would fulfill the prophecy that one day if you become a patron NPC, you may well get murdered by yeah, a player. Totally. Uh, I think Adelard is a high possibility. Yes, I agree. Uh, I know that Lilith is one, and I also think that uh, a, an alternate option is that one of either Satra or High Daughter Sienna, and my justification of that may be completely incorrect, 
But my feeling was, from a narrative point of view, they could have both been the same character. Uh, you're wrong, Dave, because you see neither of them are Patreon NPCs. They're just a reflection of, of my limitations as a narrator. Ha! <laughs> Joke's on you. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I, no, because the thing is... From I a, did try and differentiate them a little bit in character when they were all in the same group by making Hard Daughter Sienna a little more fiery, ha, 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 um, and, <laughs> and adding more of an accent. No, sorry, uh, Satra more fiery, Hard Daughter Sienna a little more uptight and, and accented. You, you've immediately gone on the defensive. I have. Don't... No, yeah. no, no, no. Not you portrayed them similarly. So there was two options. One is we Narrative, didn't understand. Oh, you're talking so motivation and purpose as we, a character. We, we, there was one option. Option one is one was a patron NPC because they could have perform, performed the same role in the story. Option two is that they have a whole bunch of stuff behind the scenes that we don't know what's going on. So that was the option where one isn't a patron NPC. But from a narrative perspective, just from the player point of view, without knowing what the meta plot was, if only one existed, one could have delivered the same dialogue and same... Like, it could have been just one representative of the children of Amar. Yeah. Do all of the patron NPCs have portraits? Uh, here are... Oh! No, no. Here, here's a semi-final list. Yes, they do. All of... Okay, because I say the racist so stole my glasses. take some wild guesses. Tatters, Lilith. I'm so glad I smashed her head in. She was so bum. <laughs> she kidnapped Mikey. I is, really doubt it, but Medela. No. Nah. Is no. there more? I shouldn't give it away first. I think it's I think it's I'm gonna stick with Lilith, Adelard, and uh and Tatters. I nailed yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. That's it. They are our patron NPCs. Yay. Thank well, you, awesome. thank you to our patrons. Adelard almost if if Adelard almost got I thought I got a, I thought I was a sneaky with Adelard because he was in chapter zero and then yeah. I reintroduced him later. So I thought I might have pulled it off, but he had a portrait too early. So it was like it wasn't clear that there would be a lot of other portraits. So I don't know if that was gave it, wasn't, it away. It wasn't that. I, I've just got too much because I've done it before. Yeah. I have a vibe from behind the curtain of what it's like. With Adelard, it was just that matter of he he was a supporting character mm-hmm. and he was cool. I don't know. Also, like from at least my point of view, I never even thought about it, to be honest. Yeah. You, you, you uh, seemed them into the storyline really, really well. Thank you. Yeah, I yeah. didn't. I do like to be sneaky, so I'm going to try and be more sneaky next time, and I at sure. least have a few ideas as to how. But their name is uh, 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 Bob. Ross. It was meant to be Bob all along. <laughs> <laughs> Marky was so convincing that Marky, I just made it up. Marky was hilarious. That was so funny. What's this? Was Marky. I don't know. I'm so glad we fulfilled the prophecy and killed a patron NPC. Yay. That's great. So we have a bit to get stuck into. Mm-hmm. Shall we start off? Let's take a quiz, uh, question from Tris first. Uh, I think hey, that's Tris. a good time for a first. Uh, so we're guaranteeing one question from everyone. If we get through them all in good time, we might scroll through back through the top. I don't know if everyone can have the questions open to them because then we can sort of pick which These ones guys we prefer. That would require me to have access to the Patreon. Well, oh my god! Awkward. I just realised something. You pro- so did you say you answer every patron's questions? One question one from question every guaranteeing per one. patron guaranteed. Yeah. Okay. Oh! Oh! Cheeky, cheeky boy! I'm going right. to work out what my question's going to be. Um, so oh, the the two questions from Tris are: What was the purpose of Ainsley's telescope? I'm theorising it was much <laughs> more than him just being a peeper. Two: Could we get official names for all the magic we've seen so far? Um, there's a few questions about magic, and I think we will circle back to that just because a lot of people want to know about it, and I think it it 
impacts on season two, and I think we should all discuss it a bit because yeah, I cool. think people do want to know about it. So the question then being Ainsley's Telescope, I can answer that one. <laughs> um, Me too. Go on. Uh, it was so that he could find where he kept the audacity. <laughs> That, I think it was a red that's herring. That's what it was for. It was, it was what it could be. It okay, was something, yeah. it was for the f- sole purpose, and there are a bunch of these things that I just sort of, on a gut level, just sort of put in there for the pure intention of if the players latch onto it, yeah. it will definitely turn into something. But because no one did, it didn't, and that's fine. Yeah. But actually, like, okay, Medela's Dreams, for example, mm. was like a little thing that started off as a sprinkle, on a gut level in that moment when it first came up, I was like, oh, maybe, a, mm. like, I wasn't sold on that. Yeah, yeah. I just sort of did it and it turned into, you know, cool. so there's stuff like that. It's so funny. You confirm they are Medela's dreams. We'll get to that. Go on. Um, when you brought it up, I was like, oh, we, it should be the way that we finish the season as we end up at the telescope. But because everything started shaking and it was an earthquake, I was like, nope, let's just get yeah, out. Let's yeah. not even bother with it. Yeah, telescope's so. gone. That's fine. I might just pass it around and, and we can all take in turns reading through the questions and picking one or... I've got it, it on my group. phone. So okay. I'll but go then you, you go you, the other well, way because I'm then. writing a question. You go next then. Oh, but I'm writing a question. Oh, you're right. Okay, yeah, you wrong. go the other way. Are we finished? Right. Oh, Stephen has three. Do I read them all? Oh. Uh, you can put them all out, but then I think we all pick which one we go with. All right. What moments do you all feel really defined the character or the story in general? Or is there something that brought your character to who they are in the finale? Question two. Tris already covered this, but I'm just so curious about the magic system. So we can skip that one because we'll go back to it. Question three. Is there an updated soundtrack available? Ooh. It's only a couple of songs added. We could probably link to them. Yeah, we can try and find them. Yeah. Let's let's make a note to add that to the next Patreon post. Okay. Send that info when my brain can find it. So the first question I think is probably the most fitting. Character-defining moment. Do you want to mm. take it, take the lead on this one, Rob? Maybe maybe Jen, because Rob's mm. putting something down Cal- on that to-do list. Yeah, <laughs> Cal- has got, got a lot, to be honest. Um, I think for her, it was probably when Delvin talked to her mum the way that he did... Oh. And it made Catalina really bad. Actually, no, there's a few. So there was, there's that definitely that kind of gave a big twist into um, how Catalina feels about her mum and her past. Um, the other one was actually during when we were in the town, I tried to control the emotions of all the townsfolk and it failed completely. Um, that was a huge mm. shock to just kind of have that bought on her completely and just she couldn't do anything. It yeah. sucked. And then obviously the finale too was another defining moment where she finally let go as well. So, cool. Yeah. I love it. Have Thank you. you. <laughs> Delvin. When Edgar died. Yeah. yeah. Edgar. Take, take us through that a little bit. There was, you say that as if it was a transformation internally. Like what happened with Delvin for you? Oh, it was an opportunity for growth uh, because as a player, I think that, I, I think that sometimes... Our fans give us more credit uh, than maybe we deserve. Uh, maybe just speaking for myself. In terms of, like, Delvin was more pliable in his plot than, like, it's not like I'd etched into stone everything. So earlier on, and also one of the reasons, which we've since justified and explained away with his earlier murders, and it makes sense, and I'm happy to keep that as part of the character, 
but I was leaning towards being far more of a psychopathic murderer. Mm. Uh, and then it was about that sort of episode 7 to 12 where I was like, no, actually the evolution of, of him being a bit different feels better. And then that was the opportunity for growth. With and maybe Edgar really and caring about Medalla. Because the river scene, you can't, if that was 100% fake, it's too Considering heartbreaking. you orchestrated yeah. most of that scene. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like that was entirely Delvin's doing, and holy crap, it stuck like in the heart, yeah. in my heart. I was going to say, if you didn't mention it, that yeah. would have been one that I would have said to you too. I absolutely. think that was the first turning point. That was the first chink in Brick's armor, I think, and it was the first uh, moment in where Delvin's they all got to be human. Armor? No, in Brick. Brick's. That, oh, in opening Brick's The very f- like only a tiny chip, but that yeah. was the first moment of Brick. N- being a bit different, pl- having kids playing with him and not being scared of him, I thought at least. Yeah. Did you agree with with that? Um, Brick's really interesting, right? The reason I say that is because, like, we go to reboot and Seb is action and broad strokes, so different, so different, <laughs> so funny. And I knew stepping into this character it would be a lot, a lot different because he talks less, he exposes less. It's like going from like a big paintbrush to like a really tiny one. Mm. I, I <laughs> um, don't know. I think Brick exposed more in this campaign than Seb did. Mm. Brick, Brick has the... But, but Brick's actions are less. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And yet they're yeah. way more meaningful. Yeah. Seb is Every single thing Brick yeah. says or does yeah. has huge implications on what is possible for his race. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. it's crazy. And it, it was interesting playing him because like I don't want to come out the gates making changes to this person that's you know, been stuck in his way and been a slave for 30, almost 30 years. And so it's hard to say that there's one defining moment. It was mostly just small little things layering up over a, like a really long time. Yeah. Um, to a point where like... You've had to be really patient in sessions. Yeah. Because you've literally. had like nearly two hour sessions yeah. on average where you'll have like 5% of the session where you play. Yeah. And then there's like, there's situations that came came to a head when, like, uh, Ainsley took over control of Brick and Brick had to be like, well, okay, well, I'm working for Ainsley now, but I trust these people and I want to do the best for them. And then there was, like, they can't plan in front of me and it, it created a really weird friction and dynamic within the group mm. um, that was hard to play around. Mm. But then as a defining moment, <laughs> I was so expecting it in the finale where I could take off Brick's collar. And then it just didn't turn out that way. And I'm like, you know what? No, this guy, it's going to be better. And it, it seems more like yeah. it should be. It should happen to someone else because Brick has experienced the level of freedom that no one else in his race has. And he can see these two that are literally being humiliated. And he's like, yeah, okay, give back. And then... Mm. So, like, that's a defining moment and I think that's going to have a bigger impact on him, that, that action in season two. That's a cool answer. him taking yeah. it off... He's on a collar. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I yeah. think it was a really good uh, example of role playing at the table because it would have taken so much restraint over the course of the season. You played to brick excellently, but not only that, you refrained from backseat. Get, like when playing mm. the silent character, you didn't backseat the whole yeah. game. Yeah. And mm. it is, I've seen it in so yeah. many games where someone's like, tough. I'll play the stoic mm. character who doesn't speak much, but then they're out of character yeah. talking non-stop. You On should do this, you should do this, you should do yeah. that. Oh, this is the tactical mm. play. It's like, you're in a different room and you've yeah. chosen not to be involved. <laughs> Stop being involved. Which, and uh, yeah. as someone who kind of commanded the plans of last campaign with Reboot, must 
have been a challenge, but it was really <laughs> it really speaks to how willing you were to be in character and add to the immersion for everyone, which yeah. I really admire. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. If I, I don't think I should I answer for me or a character that question. I'd be interested in your perspective on our characters. Most defining moments for each of your characters from my perspective? Yeah. Okay. Bricks. Hmm. I think when he started having dreams. Yeah. I think that from my perspective starts to feel like when there's a bit of play there um, where I could feel from that moment incremental changes and shifts in Brick's perspective, even if minor, because before that I didn't feel like I had any way of impacting that. And that was turned into a bit of a magical little thing we could play with. It was good. For Catalina, the mum thing's a big thing. I actually think Delvin. I actually reckon the fight in the city is the biggest one where it's like, these moments where she's faced these big, you know, moments of awakening where mm. she's just stepped up to it and been badass, it's just really, really cool. Like, so I think that the fight in the city was just like, ah, you know what, I'm going to go back out now. Okay, you know what, fuck it. Huge fireball time and let's go yeah, touch yeah, tips yeah. through a torso. <laughs> um, yeah, true. And then, Shit, we needed a heart rate monitor for that scene. <laughs> and then Dalvin, it's got to be the Sparrow reveal. It was all leading up for that mm. so much. It was quite amplified for us individually leading up to it and then we got to sort of like build up to that moment. And also the way... It was a co-orchestration, which was challenging because we both have different visions for how that might happen. And I feel like we both had a pretty good respect to make room for each other having the things that we felt would be satisfying. Mm. And I think the way it sort of it sort of moved between that and came to the what became our canon is just really cool. I'm really, really happy with that and, and grateful was, for I the think experience. everyone enjoyed it. It was, a, it was very cool. Yeah. I'm curious, and this is part of the same question, but I think it's a narrator-focused one. What was the biggest turning point, because this is about the turning point, mm-hmm. of player agency that impacted the outcome of the story? Ooh, I have a, a good one. huge one. And I knew I'd, I knew I'd spill the beans on this one that in this chapter. And it would have, like, there's no way it would come back as an option for me as a narrator to do now. So I'm happy to spell it. Mm-hmm. If I feel so dirty saying this, just putting this out there. I was going to kill Medela. You no. bastard. 100% from the prophecy, Yeah, Medela was going to go. She was going to be part of that fulfilment. No. That, so that, that out- music of, like, the warpy, spacey-timey thing mm-hmm. happening was going to be when Brick died and she sacrificed herself to save Brick. But I also had things playing leading up to that in my head a little differently, which is fine. Um, but it was, it was, that was 100% the biggest one for me and I'm so happy for it because it feels like, you know what, the players and the characters have changed destiny and made mm. the story we all want. Yeah. And I'm happy to put myself in the firing line and do something everyone's going to hate me for in the hopes that it might create a story that people more invested in over time. Yeah. Which is why I was intending on doing that. But also I could see the moment we're in that Ainsley meeting and the way everyone's talking and what they're fighting for, I'm like, uh, I will ruin everyone's experience if I do that. <laughs> so I'm Regroom. not going to do that. That, I, that It became clear to me and that was probably a turning point for me as a narrator to be really aware yeah. of that, that I'm like, okay, my selfish idea of what I think will be a good story is going to make everyone else a bit 
bummed out and that's actually not what I'm in this for. So yeah. I let that go incrementally. I think that was a good call. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when the whole fucking half campaign was yeah. to save her. Yeah. I think that we could so have sad. frustratedly lost Mikey. Hmm. I think yeah. we would have taken that on the chin and we would have would have sucked, yeah. but we yeah. could have lost Mikey. Yeah. Uh, I think we even could have lost a player. I, yeah, I think the day would have been. Oh, like, I feel like a yeah. player death would have been better. Oh. Than that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that's, that's the thing fair, is, everyone yeah. in that room would have probably died to save her. Hundred percent. So yes. I think that would yes. have been the unexpected bargain. Is you would have been like yeah. Medela, and Dalvin would have been like. I transfer all my magic into Medela to save yeah. her, or something, you know, or brick will throw And then I, hundred percent, and I could, I could totally see. And I was having conversations with myself leading up to this because, up to the finale, up to that moment where we're role playing in the finale, I was pretty resigned to like, okay, I'm going to go through with this, right? <laughs> I know You're it's a monster, right? I know, <laughs> but I saw, I saw how ever, like how much I mattered to everyone, and it all built up to that, and I <laughs> obviously went with that, and I, you know, have to respect that. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know that um, my brain just disappeared. I think so. it, it makes a bit of storytelling as well. The way yeah. Well, the fact that, you know what, I, I choose to see it in a multitude of ways. Mm. And one of them is like, I was set on that happening and and the fact that it didn't because of the way we all played together, I see it as like, yeah, it's like destiny being overturned, the prophecy being changed into because the player's input. And I think that feels more like the real adventure that was always going to be. So what part of the prophecy is Medela? Ask your question. Theory crafters, (laughs) theory crafters, pick it apart. Who's Medela? Jackson Dutton asks, oh, and that question came from uh, Stephen, by the way, who is one of our ultimate theory crafters. So I have to to give a huge shout out there. Thank you for all your time spent and and input and conversation it's really fun jackson says how and this is to you and i dave how did you two cheeky boys get through 19 episodes without spilling any beans well i'm bloody cheeky that's a bit of fun can here I, and can then. i just say like we live together dave and i obviously live together <laughs> so but he did not spoil it at all for me it's very impressive especially when you left one night you're like oh i'm just gonna go hang out with with jazza it's you know usual Night, and I'm it's like, just what cool okay, YouTubers fine. do. Just go to a cool YouTuber hangout. I was like, I guess I'm not invited then. Whatever, yeah, I'll just wow. stay at home. <laughs> no. So, oh, you, did really good. you wanted it too much. That's why you weren't invited. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, it was just it was just being quiet, keeping your mouth shut, and Jazz is better at it than me. You're a big fan of secrets. Mm. You love a good secret. I am really a bit. I am a bean spiller. Yeah. So my secret was to just never bring up anything even tangentially related to it yeah. because otherwise I would have let stuff slip. I do know, I am aware, like you've become aware of your player's ticks and you have like reveals for like stuff that's being said that you're like, so I'm conscious of that and I alter things a little or pay attention or try and maintain eye contact with other people ah. to try. So I'm intentionally trying to shift that's attention what we're looking that. at. Oh, but that's you're, interesting. It is, an interesting note is I actually... Uh, to try and, I guess, keep it more secret, the prophecy originally mm. said Sparrow and then I changed it the day of, I'm like, to not say Sparrow, the Sparrow that follows. Mm-hmm. And then when I was reading the prophecy, I'm like, it has to say Sparrow. So it was like, mm. as, I, as I was reading it, I said the Sparrow. But I, I'm like, if you listen back to it, I was like, and the Sparrow that follows is blah, blah, blah. Like, just yeah. sort of like gloss over a little bit. <laughs> so like, it can be confusing. And you specifically, Catalina didn't remember the word Sparrow. And yeah. that was like yeah. my way of like shoving it as a deeper breadcrumb. Oh, there you go. Yes. Interesting. 
All right, Philip Jackson finally has a question to ask. <laughs> Feeling okay? <laughs> Seeing as though Jazza already suggested and answered the question of his favourite food in song, uh, that is uh, that is on my music channel. I did that for Philip. Thank you, Philip, for spot, for patreoning my music career. Um, okay, wondering at the moment. Uh, is to do with the repercussions of Brick's actions. This is a cool question. How will this affect him? Uh, will he, this cause to him be shunned by other phalancool or celebrated? And what are his thoughts on the situation? Cool. That's a good question. I, th- I think this should be a bit of your perspective, a bit of mine. Yeah. There's an idea I have, and I'm going to need to talk to Jazza about it in regards to some of the action that Brick might take between season one and two. And I have a pretty cool idea. I think I think it's pretty cool, but I don't want to say it because mm-hmm. it would be giving away okay. what I think would be really cool. Um, but I think it's it's pretty safe to say that the change that's happened in freeing the other two failing call has probably had a more profound effect on Brick than if he'd freed himself. That's so cool. I love how that happened. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. And I and that's a perfect example of like, that. What I had no idea it would go that way. Well, okay, so here's the thing. I knew doing it, it was a risk, right? Because I'm like, okay, well, Brick wants to free this person. That's the right thing to do. It's going to make him feel good because they deserve it. I put them in the room as a narrator as example to be examples of downtrodden failing cool, not thinking you'd free them. So like literally he was written to do the horrific thing of eating dog food and feeling awful. And they, and then on the day of, I like wrote in the broken like love thing or whatever, but. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah. But then, like, it, it's funny, <laughs> though, cute. because I wouldn't have known how they were feeling. I mean, it, Brick doesn't know, but Rob knows how they're feeling, mm. right? Mm. And Brick would know how they're feeling to a degree, being downtrodden. I don't know. It was, it was just cool. Yeah. But... I took the action to take the collar off him when I tripped him. Brick knowing that there was an axe coming towards him. Yeah. Like, she could have... Mish could have not stopped her blow. Yeah. She could have, like, taken my spine out. And I still think Brick would have thought that was the best thing to do. You know... Yeah, that's so cool. I was going to say, I'm actually really glad that I chose to uh, read your emotions during the season because I think that that was important. 100%. To say that you are 100% like everyone else. Yeah. You just built a little differently. It sort of touches on something I'm feeling that I love, which is that every player in this um, has been fearlessly, like, sticking to the motivations of of their player, Mm. which I just think is so cool because it also means that, like, in moments like that you'll – see things from your player's perspective and that becomes an opportunity for the mm. story, which is just so cool. So, mm. yeah. um, but in the broader context, I'd say Felmore itself and Falancool, who are, you know, most Falancool working for Felmore, would not have any place for it. And that's going to be a huge challenge. However, mm. with the party heading up to the Barrows with three freed Falancool, 
and there will be some phalanchal on the barrows who through trades have become workers who were isolated from Felmore and have been a part of different society. So, you know, there's the, the ripple is bigger because you've added two people into the mix and then it, it can grow from there. So correct me if I'm wrong. I've kind of like unintentionally made Brick, well, he, he will probably become some level of an icon. Could do, yeah. Because he's the rogue. Depends how you play it. it depends how I play yeah. it. But in my head, I'm just like, hmm, downtrodden, downtrodden race of slaves with a single person standing against like this tide of subservience or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, it's Mistborn. Yeah. It's some Kelsier. I have a big thought that I have to keep very secret, but it's a bit of a dream. It's a bit of a pitch for something that I think would be really, really cute for Sunday season two. And I've talked to you a little bit about the concept and mm. it involves your big world map and involves something I pointed out. We talked yeah, about, yeah, yeah, and it could involve freed Phelan yeah. in an amazingly yeah, cool way. Cool. All right. Secrets. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I love it. I, I, don't know what you're talking about, but I think I know what you're talking about. It's, it's going to be so cool. Yeah, so, so it, do it's I. It's kind of like the dream thing that will be happening in the background if if I can um, earworm Jazza enough to let him make that happen. <laughs> um, Riley Peterson has four questions. I'm actually going to pick one out, which We're is question the first three. Because the first two, I'm just going to say, I think it would be better if they come up in, they'll come up in season two. Yeah. I think so too. But question three, uh, and I think it's time for Jen to have a bit of spotlight here. How did Jen come up with the concept for Cat's Powers? So you chose which you would go with. Correct. Because uh, they're so unique and cool. Now, obviously, yes. that fits in with a broader magic system, but the motivation for those powers and your character build, speak to that. Yeah, so when we originally sat down, there was a list of different types of archetypes of magic that we could pick from. And I picked... Emotions, essentially. Um, And it just came down to her backstory, which is just with her dad. She loved her dad. Well, she loves her dad. um, And they just formed a really strong bond. And because of that, and he taught her how to play as well, which is something that doesn't, like, usually, obviously, as we've learned through the story, that that's not allowed. Um, But, yeah, she just had this really deep um, emotional connection. And through that and through playing, it all just sort of intertwined and connected. But also having really negative emotions to her mother as well. Like it all just became the person that she was. And I think that that's why I chose it in the end. It worked out so well in a number of ways. And the thing that's really interesting to look back on is how, from my perspective, you having that mechanism Mm -hmm. opens up the viewer's eyes to motivations and intentions under the surface Mm -hmm. to the world. So culturally and and people's interactions, because that's a big part of it. And then it moves on to them when, as soon as Delvin has his powers, moves on to more the mechanical stuff. But it's also like everyone's motivation is now magic and it's this Mm. fight for power. And then when your mechanism can understand that and then your and Jen's, your did the emotional thing, it actually really built some bricks into the. Yeah, it was really. It was really tough too because there was a lot of really cool options, which I won't spoil, but it was really tough to not pick mm. some favourites of my personal choice. Mm. But I was like, no, 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 this is def. I already had what the character. I already had Catalina in mind before I picked what type of mm. magic she was going to use. Mm-hmm. So I just went, no, this is perfect for her. 
If you got earth, water, wind, fire, and heart in front of you, picking heart was a bold choice. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no one would think to pick no heart. No one picks heart. But I, I don't know if it was unintentionally, but I, I love the idea that your character is raised in this society where, like, women are the the top of the top of the pillar, and your mum, yeah. like, quite high up there, right? Mm. Is this like not a motionless lady, but like a wall? Yeah. Right? Mm. You said it when yeah. during the scene; it was uncommon or mm. rare for her to break that emotion. Mm. And I love that potentially on a subconscious level, the reason that Kat has manifested these powers to read emotions is to break past her mum's wall. Well, I want to add in a little bit of outside story lore here, mm-hmm. um, which I think you will have probably been, you've, you will have had some reunion conversations with your dad mm-hmm. or whatever, but you're going to yeah. part ways again because he'll go back to yeah. your mum. Yeah, yeah. um, and there's no there was no reasonable way to fit this in the story, but it would be uh, I'd love to share that... His harp was his first, and actually he got to the heart of your mother first. Oh, okay. So there's like a little story as to how that all eventuated that actually is about like he was the one that could reach her heart, and there's there's Mm -hmm. a reason why she has such a soft spot for your dad. Yeah. Rather than looking down on him, it's like it's that soft spot. Oh, so he magically yeah. manipulated her. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> okay. Coerced her into No, no, it's him. just it's finding and amplifying a truth that someone holds back from themselves, isn't it? Well, it's like a failing call. It's yeah. like, you know, actually they feel that about each other, but they choose they cannot. Let's you know? be fair, if you're sitting there and you're deciding like, should I ask this person to dance or not? and you're reserved, and then you see that they're reserved, but you feel their emotions innately, and you know that they want you to ask, mm. you're more inclined to ask. Yeah. He don't, didn't necessarily do anything naughty. It's, yeah. He it's might kind of, have. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Shift emotions, love. <laughs> well, that's because you, you approached me at the start of the season as well, and when we talked about the concept of using emotion, how you can completely twist it to absolutely mm. mess someone up. Yeah. I was like, that is the absolute last thing that Catalina would do. Yeah. She is happy to amplify emotions, make them stronger, make them feel certain things that are there, but mm. she would never make it evil. Just ruin Rick's most positive memory. If well, Delvin took... But it was only temporary. Yeah. If Delvin had Kat's powers, like let's say dark, mm. dark timeline, Delvin like kills Catalina and has the power to take her Ooh, magic, right? Whatever. <laughs> Whatever, right? Dark timeline. So I have Kat's yeah. emotion magic. Delvin would go to Ainsley and remove his joy from every single thing that he gets out of life and just Mm. take his joy away. Mm. So I wouldn't make him suffer, but it would just be like everything that makes him tick, makes him happy, makes him satisfied, just make it nothing. We could still do that. I would make it nothing. I would reverse it. Well, over time, you make it nothing and then you make it dirty. (laughs) That's the thing about how she's used the magic, though. I don't think she manipulated or, well, changed Brick's memory. No, just she, she just found a piece of it and made it louder. Yeah, that damn cloud. So that the sadness was like there. Yeah, you know. So it's. I just. Yeah. I love how it's all played out. So fun. Anyway, um, uh, Mikey Dawn. A question for Jazza. How long did it take you to come up with all the different social structures? I think that's Mickey Dawn, but Mickey. Oh, sorry. I've just got Mikey on the brain. Okay. <laughs> uh, social structures in the world of Sunder. Um, how did you come up with the legal systems for each region? I'm going to be honest, I haven't properly come up with all the legal uh, systems <laughs> to great depth. Uh, I think the most depth I have done that to is the Watchwood, but I even want to define and rework that a little bit. Um, 
But as far, the big thing for me has definitely been cultures and regions. And that mm. I've really, really enjoyed. And that was the first thing I actually did in my world building. And I guess like Tolkien and languages, everyone, like everyone world builds with a different thing they're drawn to. That is like their thing. And I think when I look at my overall like world, I'm, I compartmentalize the shit out of everything. Like every culture is so blocked off and rigid. Yeah. And I think there's probably some of my upbringing in that, that's sort of like <laughs> reflecting there. But I think actually it's for the purpose of breaking down. Yeah. It's to create a sandpit that is so segmented in this way, knowing that then players will mess it up and saying, go for it. But also it gives me a confident, a mechanism whereby I can really confidently know how most people are going to react or how I can subvert that. So it's it's actually built kind of for my own clarity and leading it as a narrator. Yeah. Um, I hope that makes sense. But it's obviously taking inspiration from different areas of the world. I I would like more animals in the world. Yeah, I I think that's... That's I tried to pitch the catfish, but he doesn't (laughs) like the catfish. We spent one day in the wild. Leading into season two, when that comes, and that's a long way off at this point, but... It will come like recent reboot two is now yeah, here. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I, I think a bit of world building will be yeah, in order, totally. um, and it's going to be good. Can't wait to meet the catfish. <laughs> the catfish has been vetoed. Everyone, there's no catfish. <laughs> Delta Hill says, "What is the airspeed of an unladen swallow?" An African or a sparrow? Swallow? Unladen sparrow. I just filled it in with my own <laughs> understanding. Of what uh, it not is. as Guys. impressive as you'd think. One reflex and only one point in acrobatics and I think one point in athletics. So he's really? not slow. Oh, okay. Well, I had to put all my points into de- uh, to deception. make the character work. I had to put all my points into deception and infiltration yeah. and combat. I didn't really have much left, so mm. I just put a few points in things that made sense. But like, you, I have no, I have very, only one point in sleight of hand or something like that. So you well. took what Rick put in his strength attributes and put it elsewhere because we're pretty similar in our dice rolls for combat. I just had a few left over. Yeah, I've, I've got max combat dice, like three in the vocation, yeah. three in the knives. Although, have we all achieved our vocational goal? I think so. You, for the, I think you will. I think the next season can... everyone's amping, amping up a little bit. Cool. Okay. So, next question by Total Fox. There's actually two here. I, I kind of want to answer both because one is about what's your favourite thumbnail. So, I reckon we'll do that Ooh. second because I think that's a cool one to answer and Alicia's made awesome thumbnails that deserve attention. Yeah. But the first one is, there's a lot of emotional moments in this season. What was your most emotional moment as a player or character? That's a tough one. There are a few. There are a few yeah. almost theories. Um, I think I probably came the closest with when um, with Catalina and her dad, and I wasn't even in that scene just mm. as a player. That was really touching to finally get that. Um, also, I almost cried when Dalvin got the letter from his mom. Really, that's so nice. Yeah, because yeah. that was a big. I don't know, like knowing that his mum was from safe. Campbell, you mean? Yeah, yeah it was like cool. it was also it was it was both vindication that that he the like the first thing that he'd actually put together that hadn't fucked up. It's mm. like it it worked. Pemble did the job, and Pemble looked after his mum. Yeah. yeah, and it was kind of like that. Okay, God, she's safe, and it yeah. was that. At least if I completely fail, I've protected okay. my mum. Yeah, that's who cool. is my weak spot in my character's thing. Yeah. I have she. I have um. 
patronage of her. Yeah. But I play that to be like Dalvin wants to protect his mum yeah, because he that. sees his mum. Well, you'll find out in season two. Yeah. But he sees his mum very much as sort of like a beautiful, a yeah. beautiful vase made of incredibly fragile glass. That's and that, sort of and how that's an it. interesting thing where like coming into season two, I'm going to need to do some planning with you to make sure I understand the character as you think they should be, as opposed to me being yeah. the narrator and writing characters. Like it really matters that the picture of the mum in game matches what you've built in your head. I have a whole, I can, oh, I'm happy to write you a whole thing. I have a whole idea yeah, please of the place do. Delvin grew up with his dad, his mom, a few friends from town. That would be few, amazing. I've got this whole idea of like a little world. Yeah. And I what love it looked that. like. I but the cool that. thing is it's, it's what it looked yeah. like yeah. five years ago. Yeah. Not necessarily cool. today. I love that. All right, Catalina. Um, I've, oh, it's tough. So pretty much any time I played the harp was any any situation where something emotional had happened, that was tough. Um, just I just want to add to that. Every time you played, like I love that at the first few times, I sort of basically did a bit of a my guide as to how mm-hmm. I thought it could role play out, and then you took it from there. And mm-hmm. then like from like third episode onwards, you sort of gave your what you played to thing, mm-hmm. and I just thought it was so cool. You oh, really thanks. ran with that, and I was really happy. Thanks. I loved watching that. No, that was really fun, and it was t- like yeah, there were times where I'm just like, oh gosh, this is actually quite quite a lot. Yeah. Um, this the conversation with her mum that was yeah. a big. I was pretty close to tears, um, and then dad, yes, but actually, again, the conversation I had with Delvin, just the fact I almost just slapped him in the face. I felt mm. <laughs> so emotional having that conversation because I was like, what are you doing? So yeah, I, me as a player, I was mm. just like, this is. This is a lot, so mm-hmm. but it made it for a really good role play. So yeah. I'm happy it happened. Yeah. So most emotional or saddest? Let's go with most emotional. What what hit you as a player? Me, me as a player, not Brick as a character. I th- I, Either or. Yeah. You as a player. <laughs> me as a player. Yeah. See, I, I think have, it, I don't we're have talk- emotions, so. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really fun to role play a character with emotions. Rob, um, oh, bloody cheeky boy. You're so cheeky, Rob. Don't be cheeky. <laughs> it's a tough one. It's a really tough one. And there's like two events that kind of stand out. Number one is the, the moment in the river with the fishing. That's a positive memory, yeah. but it's emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing like the my headcanon backstory for my character. It's like the first time he's experienced something like that. And that's, that's pretty, mm. that's pretty punchy. Mm. Uh, and then the, the next time was losing Medela to a psychopath because yeah, fuck mm. Ainsley. Well, mine was we definitely, can if you want, he's at our disposal. <laughs> that is true. Mine was, uh, the last dream you had with Medela when she, yeah, because that was actually, I wrote that as a little script and I didn't know that I'd have time to add that at the end or if it would start the next session. But the way it ended that session, I thought was, uh, I feel like because I decided to throw it in, it might have caught the players like a bit by surprise, but even myself. So I was a little off guard even then when mm. role playing it. Um, and when I write those things, I don't often write like a little dialogue for the players, but I do when I feel like it really matters, when I really want to get a few things across or when I feel like the character really has a few things to say. Hmm. 
Um, and it's usually because it's emotional. It's because they need to say how they're feeling in a certain way, which when I'm improvising may not happen. Yeah. Um, and that was one that I think because I was in that headspace, I was pretty choked up by. The other one was the Catalina's dad. That was also scripted. And that was one where I got way even more emotional in prepping. That was the most emotional I got was writing the Catalina's dad lines. I think as a dad it really hit me. So I was sort of like writing like when I came up with the caterpillar thing and stuff. I was just like. That was so sweet. But then like in the moment I was a bit pulled out in my head a little bit because I felt a bit self-conscious. Because Dave and I I both went. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much. You poop head. But Dave just said he was emotional about it. So it was. It was cute. Just no, it was really cried. cute. Yeah. I like it. You can look and watch back. I've, and I just like notably I like go like this because I have tears welling in my yeah. eyes. I think I was just like a little self-conscious simply because I knew it would be something no one else would have known and it would have been a surprise and it's a little, you know, it, it's a cute little it's nickname. Cute. Yeah. I just love because I was just like, oh, that's actually really cute. <laughs> <laughs> no, I loved it. It's yeah. great. Okay, uh, everyone's favourite thumbnail. We can throw that oh, one in yeah. nice and quick. Um, mine is the thumbnail that never saw light so because it was too grim. <laughs> the too grim thumbnail. Oh, I wish we saved it yeah, out. I wish we saved stuff. it out. Oh, mine has got to be... Mine has got to be either The Final Prophecy or Journey's End. I think Journey's End because it really puts everyone... Bathhouse one. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Topless Delvin. Topless. It's just funny. It's yeah, it's good. I like funny stuff. It's nice to have a break from all the heavy. Jen, oh. what's your, what was your favourite thumbnail? Uh, Fireball. The, the, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That's a cool thumbnail. Yeah. Very cool thumbnail. I wish we'd kept it. I wish we'd kept the two grim one. Do you want to read the next question? I'll bring up those thumbnails. Mine was, hang on a second, bloody... Uh, the next question is... No, I've got to show the thumbnails now because I've said it. There you go. Journey's End. That was my pick. Oh, my God. How good is it? No. Um, then there was... What, what did everyone else pick again? Uh, I picked the fire one. Which is Ignition. Ignition. Yeah, a fiery name. Delvin's is Rest for the Weekend. Yeah, that's a great thumbnail. So good. I gotta say, I remember walking upstairs throughout the day watching Alicia put that together and it just got cooler and cooler and cooler. It's and cooler. so fun to walk through that room when Alicia's here and just <laughs> seeing the artwork we made. Then we have Dave's favourite. Yeah. Yes, we and then Very nice. First Blood, but the altered version of First Blood. Yeah, I wish it was there. Oh, anyway, where is it? Um, first Blood. There we go. Essentially, it was when Brick cleaved someone in half, first and the original one had his silhouette. It, oh cleaved. yeah, it had like the body divided in yes. two. It had like more blood. Yeah, it was pretty glorious. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dave, do you want to grab it, the next question? My favorite, oh, got my favorite thing about it was it was like I have the next question. That was where Alicia went to with it, with like minimal instruction. Yeah, it was like yeah, Brick cleaves someone in half. She's like, like okay, cool, okay. <laughs> Quick come sure. back, and this guy's like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I'll. Uh, this is for Solo Nebula. I'll, question two I'll quickly address is the patron scroll for the roleplay patron is for tier three and up, I think. It's yep. it's a certain tier and up. Get the okay. uh, get the patron scroll. Cool. Uh, and the other question is, is when Delvin kept bringing along uh, NPCs that the group encountered, <laughs> did it throw a wrench in your plans for how the story would unfold? I remember Delvin and Mikey arguing about whether he should go along with Pemble or stay with the group, and it was almost like Jazza and Dave both really wanted uh, 
their way as much as the characters did, but maybe that was some great role play. So, did it throw a spanner <laughs> in the, the works? The second one's a separate answer. People. Did not throw a spanner in the works. The opposite is the case. I wanted more people in the party because so many times I, I felt like I needed more of a voice and input in the group, but it was just the group. So, there were often like very few NPCs, but then often when there were, it was like a child or a senile man, or it was like, <laughs> just like, so I can't really add too much to the story. So, I'm like, thank God for Russell. I'm like, finally, they're like, Attaching to someone who, you know, so that's kind of a, you know, a relief. Yay. But other than that, it was actually Medela before that. Mm. So when Medela was gone, I was pretty lost as a narrator. I'm like, okay, I've got Mikey now. Pemble was good, but also and temporary. You get to sit back and let them play. It was very cool. But also when it's like comes to having little plot inputs or whatever without stuff just happening yeah. um, or like an idea just sort of being accentuated, like it just helps, you know, have some input. Yeah, totally. You know. uh, but in regards to the Mikey fight, that was because Mikey was on orders. That's because was Mikey was watching, like he was assigned to Delvin, so he actually couldn't go and he probably would have been crapping himself. Mm. That's why that was the case. Cool. Well, Mikey... Little shit. Yeah. You're in trouble, mate. <laughs> Sway for the dark patch in the middle of the uh, journey north. There's a body gets thrown off the side of the fucking cart and we head further north. <laughs> Phenomes has uh, two questions. Jazza and Dave, was there any moment during the campaign where you feared you might slip up? We kind of might have answered that. Jen and Rob, what? W- I think this is probably the question. Mm-hmm. What were your theories as to who the sparrow might be? In the episodes leading up to the actual reveal, what were they sort of congealing into? A part of me. (laughs) (laughs) It's my congealing sound effect. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, A part of me thought, like, maybe Adelard, but I was like, he wouldn't do that. That's not his nature. So, I don't know. I just thought he was a completely random NPC that we Mm. hadn't met yet. It's like, okay, there's this weird assassin taking out minor political figures and mm. uh, yeah it yeah, does minor political figures I just thought maybe he's this like weird rebel that's fighting for a cause that we don't know about and it's gonna be you know mm. revealed later in the season and I'm like God, that's what it was yeah, it is I, exactly uh, sometimes those things happen in my home D&D campaign I had a whole serial killer arc running in the background and then eventually the players just left town to go fight a dragon or something and mm. never came back yeah <laughs> it's just well they got a serial killer they didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just a dude. That's the spoiler. Three years long and I've never been able to spoil it. It was just a guy. Huh. There was nothing exciting about it. He had six HP, but he killed people. That's all. <laughs> you heard it here first. Amazing. Yeah, it's, that, yeah, that was my theory. It's just some weird political yeah, assassin I that's never... taking out low-level nobles. And I'm like, well, it'll be revealed later in the season. And it was. But zero, zero thought. That would be Dave. That would be Dave. Which is so weird for me because I don't know what you felt, but, like, I feel so exposed at every point. So I felt like you guys were going to guess the Sparrow was Dave when I said the word Sparrow in the prophecy. Like, I, at any sort of... But that's why I think I'm addicted to putting in breadcrumbs because I feel like they'll all be found. So if I have enough in there, Mm -hmm. then there'll be a surprise. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's enough in there that there are some surprises, which is Mm. good. I think that... To be honest, while some people watching on the outside saw some misdirection, I just thought the misdirection was 
pretty solid. Like from your perspective, shifting the attention when it needed to be shifted. And from my perspective, really strongly establishing this character of this Delvin, like eats a lot, lounges Mm. a lot, drinks a lot, Mm. that vibe. And then it became so ingrained that even when I started to let it slip later, this, I felt like the assumptions were still with you guys that, oh, Delvin's going to sleep in. Yeah. And it just becomes like that assumption that Delvin sleeps in. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, and you start to, you just don't think about it anymore because yeah. you, you've kind of built the picture of the character in your head. Yeah, you played up a lot of your, your comforts. So you were just like, I have to do this. And then we were kind of like, okay, that's fine, whatever. You have to sleep in a nice bed, okay, and lock <laughs> the door, all right, and whatever. Sure. He just doesn't want to be peeped on, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. From, from like a, a narrating or a playing like character perspective, there was, uh, uh, like, there was no chance in hell I was picking it up. Yeah. Especially because every time you gave breadcrumbs, you were narrating, and so our focus mm. was on you. Mm. If our focus had been on Dave, yeah, probably, I, I probably would have picked up on it. There, you do like have a, you have a. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> when when something that's like, and the sparrow walked around the corner, there's like a little diddy. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I never claimed to be good at keeping <laughs> secrets. It's when the when we were in the town, they witnessed what the sparrow had done as well. I had my attention solely focused on you because I needed to, I was like, I need to remember yeah. everything about this scene because I'm only going to see it once. I wasn't looking at Dave. Yeah. Put that smile on his face. Right? Little did you guys know, you could cut to the scene from Samurai Cop, the reactions, the... <laughs> <laughs> that was me the whole time. Uh, after the reveal, a bunch of the patrons went through and found all of the references when you talk about yeah. the sparrow. Yeah. You, just, you just look at Dave's face in every single one and I was just like, Samurai cop because I was doing this, and then the yeah, yeah no, and the sparrow, and so then something else happened. Props to both of you. Yeah, well, well done. Um, Jasmine Rig uh, has two questions. Dave, how did it feel to hand the narration reins over to Jazz for this season? And the other was seconding someone else's question. So that's the question, Dave. Uh, it was a mix. It was a big mix. Uh, there was a definitely fear and apprehension. Uh, there was a lot of nervousness, mostly because coming into tabletop time, I had very firmly established, like, I can run games, I can GM. And then it's like, but I haven't proven myself as a player. Like, I felt like that I was an unknown quantity as a player, even though we played together a few yeah. times. Yeah. But um, I was really nervous. It, and it was less about handing the GM reins over and more about then having to be a player and hopefully mm. being a good player at the table. Um, but I guess at the same time, yeah, so that was that side. But at the same time, there was a joy in when you were a forever DM playing hmm. uh, playing in this kind of game. And this is my favourite kind of role-playing. Hmm. Um, I have social games that I love, but when you've got a whole group of people with different backgrounds, we play more crunchy D&D um, mm-hmm. with a lot more out-of-character interaction. I love this role-playing. Yeah. If I could have both, that would be my dream. Like cr- a bit of crunchy combat and stats and characters with like intricate yeah. character moments on a hero's quest to slay the dragon. Maybe we should try that out sometime Maybe we soon. should try yeah. out bloody D&D. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we can say in this what's happening is a season filler. Come on. Okay, I think we should. Because it's the next video. Actually, it'll be out in a day or two from the time this comes out. No. A week. A week. No, no, no. Won't it? Will it? Isn't this going out this weekend? Yeah. And then the next week. Okay, next week week on Tabletop (laughs) Time. Yeah, Uh, yeah, we're playing D&D. Yay. 
but taking it up a notch or two. So it'll be higher production value than this, but it's a bit of a taste test to sort of see what we can pull off and, and how much we can. So exciting. There's yeah. fully painted minis and counters and scenery and every. Oh, whoops. Yeah, that sounds fun. So good. That sounds fun, doesn't it, Rob? Yeah. What are you doing while we play d and I'll get drunk. Okay. Uh, you'll be working, sir. True like, the boss is busy for seven hours. I, mean, I, can, I can get away with it. I'm home right now. You wouldn't notice. He's going to run out of time. I'm fine. Um, what was that question again? Because I wanted to input something. It was uh, how did it feel handing oh, the reins over to Jasmine? We're yin and yang because I'm a forever player. I love being a player. I struggle as a DM. I feel like you I don't show it. I feel like I pull it <laughs> off, but I emotionally struggle because I'm questioning myself at every turn. My favorite parts, the the real meat and the joy for me, to come to mind, the battle in the alleyway and the and the finale fight. When I've set up something that the I, the players are in and they do what they do and the roles do what they do and I feel like I'm just sitting back and watching and it's so fun. Like, that is and so hurting fun. People. And yeah, you, hurting you're people. Yeah, you'd love I'm DMing. Dark. You'd love DMing. You'd be like, all right, you're a level three party. Here's a lich. Let's see how you <laughs> power kill. <laughs> oh, and you can't resurrect I, I, I think I did say to everyone at the start of the campaign when everyone was character creating that I really do like dark stories and I can yeah, sort of yeah, feel yeah. like going to, oh, like, I love the meaty bits in Game of Thrones when, you know, when it hurts, I, when it really hurts, so you don't expect it. Like they're my favorite bits. If, I live for that. So, uh, yeah, I planned a whole season expecting to kill the person you all loved. You know, yeah, that's why you put Monday, a small child. Wait, in you there. were never going to kill eggs and bacon. <laughs> but I, I tell you what, getting uh, rewatching reboot, getting amped up for season two, I'm so fucking excited because I the one of my struggles as a narrator is like I want to really step into the emotionality of all the characters, and I can only do that so much with all the NPCs. Yeah, There's yeah, some yeah. I can do a bit more, but it's tough. Whereas I can't wait to get lost in pro again. I love that. You talk about liking dark stories, season two of Reboot. Oh, yeah. Gotta fuck you all up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all here for it. I, I just want to mention, because you said that the finale was one of your favourites and then the alleyway was your favourite. And I'm like, they're both like really big combat encounters. Yeah. Nothing physical happened in the finale. Hmm? Nothing physical happened. There was one combat roll from you. Yeah, which I tripped someone intentionally. You did almost get... Harpooned though, and tackled Ainsley. But I get what you're saying. You're sort of fighting against the magic in the room. It, yeah, it was, no, it was, I was every, fighting. Everything, so. everything was magic. There was there mm. was no intent from the players to kill anyone. That's interesting. Except for Dave smashing ahead. I, I do I, have to say, say that was less combat and more execution. Quickly mute me. Uh, it's a, it's one of the things with games such as Cogent with the yeah. death spiral, mm. where basically as soon as I was injured. I was like, I'm now incapacitated because yeah. because mathematically, yeah. once I'd lost two dice, I'm like, cool. So now I have seven dice mm. and most trained people will outperform me. So mathematically, mm. I'll lose a fight and then just get more injured and then I'm dead yeah. and I can't win, yeah. which is where HP based sim- uh, and AC systems that can kind of be like, well, I might just get lucky and I'll just miss mm-hmm. or I might just hit and, you know, like you can still kind of yeah. think, well, I can fight at full capacity even though I'm injured. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It needs... um. And these are event. Well, it's all it's all games of the same system. It's death. Yeah. There's a lot of games. I love like it. That. And ha- I can see it's where the problem is. Yeah, it's it's, well, it's uh, realistic. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's a it's a blessing and a curse because the intensity it adds is really cool. But yeah. at the same time, it's like yeah, there's 
it's hard to have mercy then, you know. I describe mm. the difference as it's kind of like one is like anime and the other one is like a, a gritty TV show. So yeah. or, or real life where one thing like D&D, you can get the more beaten up you get, the more brutal you fight with no penalty. And then at one point it's just like you get hit with a small pebble. Now you're unconscious. Mm. You've just been hit with yeah. a dragon 15 times. But now you're unconscious because you took that one health. Whereas the Death Spiral games are more like real life. Oh, look, you just had three of your ribs broken. Mm. Funnily enough, you're not as good at fighting now that three of your ribs are broken. Mm. What do you think about that? Just throwing this out there. And this, mm. maybe, I don't know, just, just a thought occurs to me. What about a lives system? Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Imagine if you started a campaign, you say everyone's got three lives. So you've got the same rules for everything. The difference is you can choose when to spend your life when you're at the bottom of your thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you can say for the rest of this encounter until you're recovered, you're out of the risk zone, but you're also out of the, the story in this moment and you're sort of opting out of that encounter or having the impact or getting the reward, but allowing the story to continue. And then you can basically have hardcore mode where you have no lives or like a one-shot well, you know, a mini campaign where you have one life. Was so, I don't know. Could be an interesting. Just a system. thought. Mm. I think there's stuff that needs to be played with. There's play. I think I've having intensity is good. Yeah, I think I've got a play test for reboot, which is going to be it's an exertion system. Oh, I like that. Where basically you can opt as a player to ignore your highest injury for a round. Yeah. Uh, and if you do it, you make an endurance check, and based on the level of injury, if you succeed, uh, there's no penalty. Everyone can do this, including NPCs. Yeah. If you succeed, there's no penalty. If you fail, that injury level is worsened by one level at the end of combat. So not during the combat. So if you have a level three injury I like that. and you exert yourself, you can ignore it, keep fighting. But then even if you win and you beat your enemy and you choose to have your anime moment and like, Aah! and take out yeah. the guy who you fucking hate because you get your full combat role, you then go, oh God, in doing that swing, I just I just pushed that broken rib through my lungs. I now have a punctured lung it, and I'm now dying. It's the scene of the anime where he kills the final big bad evil guy and then it's just like, it's done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it looks like a burst of adrenaline, right? Mm, yeah. Mm. Do you uh, want to pick the question from Lirunia? Irunia. The capitalization. Yep, Did someone change the dice before the last session? I can't. still can't, can't believe the luck. First quick answer is no. All my luck just came at once yeah. for the whole <laughs> season. Uh, two of the patron NPCs have been answered. Yep. Uh, is there anything you wish you did different with your characters or Jazza was Ainsley always yes. behind this? Yeah, we, uh, I think three. Is there anything you wish that you did different with your characters or an NPC for Jazza? Oh, with my characters or an NPC? Like something you wish you could have kind of taken back and changed after the fact. Hmm. Oof. Something I wish I could have done differently. I know mine, so what do you think? Yeah, you guys, uh, you guys go. Mine was... There's too many... You guys have, like, yeah. one character to think <laughs> like Mine was uh, talk, uh, disrespecting uh, Catalina's mom. Really? Yeah. I think that was the one... Oh, maybe such a good move. It was the one real mistake I felt like as a player where I felt like I made a mistake. 
Uh, and it was in character that I would do that, but I feel like it was also out. Like, Delvin's smarter than that. Even though he's hateful, he's also manipulative, and he probably wouldn't have burned that bridge that was potentially really valuable just mm. like that. Like, Delvin's smart enough to hide. He, he masks all the time. Mm. Like, he masks mm. in full grade and character talking to the biggest grade and shitlords in the world mm. happily. And yeah. yet he couldn't have one conversation with the most influential politician he's ever met who could actually help them. That was mm. the one thing I was like, oh, that was an improv snap decision I, I probably do, wish I didn't make. Well, you know, that takes me back to my pro stuff up with the phone call with uh, Uriel or whoever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the bed, Sometimes like, I no. think reacting in the moment and you feel like it's too far or too different or out of character or whatever, there's a bit of charm in actually explaining it after and it can make sense. And I think that... Like yeah. so, actually, like I would interpret what happened in that moment is Delvin being maybe particularly emotional attached to Catalina, mm. um, and defensive of Catalina, and and then as a result, like shocked by who her mum is, and kind of like bit beyond bothering with manipulation, just disliked her too much, you know. And I think that can make a lot of sense as a character. Like you would, why you would improvise like that. For the record, I felt like I'd role-played wrong because I felt like, oh, I've upset Delvin. I don't yeah. think that she would do that. But at the same time, I think we were just playing our characters. No, they spiralled in a really organic way. It was great. Yeah. Catalina. I honestly can't think of one. There's probably, if I looked back on the season and actually watched it, I'd be like, oh, I wish I'd done this instead. Um, but off the top of my head, I honestly can't think of anything that I would have changed because even the mistakes that – mistakes – that were made um, still led to good storytelling. Like it's still, that's the whole reason we roll dice is because it never is a good outcome. It Mm -hmm. has to be bad sometimes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's amazing. So I, yeah, I I honestly can't think of it. You could have flirted with uh, Delvin. Actually, no, I do have one. I do have one mistake. I wish that I had gotten to know some of the NPCs just a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. What, what? Who comes to mind? Like Sacha and High Daughter Sienna and even Melba. Yeah. Like that whole um, Children of Mar. I definitely wanted to get to know more, but I think there I, wasn't a moment. For yeah, it. which is fine. This, if there is season two, then that's yep. just. Not I would it. love it if we don't have a ticking clock in season two. Mm-hmm. At least for the first period of time, it would be great mm-hmm. to have. Even if we go, okay, we've got three months of breathing room where we can skip over time and have gaps and stuff. It would be great mm. to be able to breathe and have yeah. meet, you know, meet them at a port town in the barrows that where they meet meet them up again and mm. actually get to follow some of those little side questies. It's yeah. kind of one or two session plots. Yeah. Mm. I think that could be really cool because I feel like we never got the chance, everything was so tense all the time, mm. to actually breathe and enjoy the world, mm. which um, would be really good. Even though the world's in turmoil, mm. still be really cool to like have those yeah. moments. Yeah. 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 There you go. Well, that brings me to mine. Um Mine isn't to do with a character because I think sort of kind of like what Jen said, I know I feel like I can stand by that I role-played every character as best as I could with the improvisational role that a narrator has to do. Yeah. So I'm pretty proud of how it all turned out yeah. in the end. And I don't think any, I, I feel like I, I picked who the characters were either very quickly when I had to, you know, improvise or planned it enough that they all were true to themselves from their introduction. But hmm. as a narrator... Travel distance and time passed and travel, <laughs> I have learned, it, uh, is my weakness. And I, my biggest thing looking back on the season is it was two weeks and that makes me a little bit sad. Like I wish I had have padded that out a little bit. It wouldn't have taken longer in episode time, but I feel like as a narrator, I wish 
I felt like I could have increased the scope and reality of it a little bit more by just building into that time passing thing. And I, I that's what I want to get a better at for season two for sure because it will mean you can all do more and see more. Yeah, totally. um, but it will also feel like, okay, it makes sense that a war has been going on for a month and we're halfway through the campaign. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, Something yeah. like that. But that yeah, will cool. also take discussion as to how we fill that time and how we make that satisfying to the viewer. Totally. That's, I'd be interested to know feedback on that in the comments or wherever, anyone who has thoughts on building into the grand scope of something. But um, mm. Something that can help, uh, you've got maps, is to put a hex grid over them yeah, uh, and then put a little colour mm. code as to the types of terrain and how that slows things. Mm. And then it's called a, a heuristic. It's called a heuristic. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then also have like a, a multiplier. So you could be like, okay, well, road is one day travel for one hex. And then you go like, well, the forest is two days. Well, the plains is two days. The My problem three. with doing that is it locks me into definites. But you have to be if you want it to be consistent. Because then on the yeah. side, you also get to go like, you get to go like on foot with cart. And then you get to go like, Horse, messenger horse. I guess my main like problem speeds. is, okay, let's say I figure that out and that's fine. Sure. Like, <laughs> let's say I do that for season two. But the problem is, like, you camp for three nights to reach this place. It's like, which night do we pick to role play camping? Or do we do bits of each day? Or, you know, that's basically my, like, I want to figure that, that that's out. That's the well. forever issue of all role playing yeah. games ever. Traveling yeah. in role play is the hardest thing. Well, and in D and and in like group play, when it is an indefinite thing, you don't have a season. It mm. makes sense to just keep playing, right? And mm. then when it gets boring, you fast track it a bit. When we're telling a story, we have an audience for. I think we're all cognizant of the fact that that's the reality. So we're sort mm. of like needing to feel like maybe, the next step is watchable. Maybe it's a separate mechanic that Cojan could have is travelling parties and, like, you roll a d20 and then depending, mm, you can pick yeah. on a chart or something like that. I don't I know. I feel like there might even be something in there. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I feel like that was somewhat... Yeah, no, but random oh, counters... Yeah. There's so many... There's as many cons as pros. You, I, I <laughs> think you can just as easily agree to have, like, a... A, a summary thing where you do like, yeah, totally. okay, yeah, yeah. we're journeying for three days and be like, because Jazza knows nothing is happening in those three days, there's no major interactions, mm. then, you know, you can set the status quo that each player can kind of prompt something and yeah. if they don't want to, they don't have to. So I, I can like be like, that. on the second night, and we can just do it, I'll be like, oh, one of the nights on the campfire, Delvin yeah. approaches Catalina. And that's cool. And that gives you room to sort of like on the first night, there's a seed of a, of a relationship spark here and then on the third night, they act on that in a way that, I, I like that idea. And I'd like to sort of lean into that a little more in season yeah. two. Cool. Okay, so Gerdine or Gerdine? Geraldine? Geraldine. Gerdine. Well, I have to tell you that my phone is dead. So. Okay, mine is on the dying track. Uh, it says, how do you feel about making this Sunday season into a written version, short novel of sorts? Um, I... We'll never do it personally. <laughs> um, when? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm more... Uh, I like the idea of it being an audio drama, but that would also come from it being a... a well, it sort of is. Um, yeah. I feel like a comic would be pretty cool. That would be cool. Yeah, I th- sort in of... Fact, I think, I think I think reboot as a comic would also be fucking cool. Graphic novel. I feel more drawn yes. in that direction than a novel, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I think a novel has to be really well crafted. Mm. I think graphic novel, <laughs> the, <leeway. laughs> the novel element. I feel like Sunders <sighs> ticking the boxes personally, and we're definitely reboot where there's enough story and scope to feel really substantial. Yeah. Um, 
but I think anything that becomes a novel has to stand by every word really well. And it's there's a lot more in it. Well, I say there's a lot more. There's a lot more in it that I don't understand. But a graphic novel, I understand. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's yeah. like visual element to it. I think brings a lot when you've put a lot of thought into it as well. Yeah. So it would. Make I can a graphic novel. compose a whole thing in storyboards, and it makes sense to me. Yeah. Whereas yeah, yeah. writing it, I'm like, oh, I have to convince yeah. people I know how to write stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a whole other kettle. Yeah, that's yeah. really tough. Yeah. I don't, it's it is. It's tough. How do you mean? In what that way? Literally, what you said. I was just saying yes, and then everyone looked at me like I was. I was being facetious. <laughs> well, that's all. I wasn't being facetious. I was just going, "Yeah, that's really tough." Mm. I've, I've, I'm teetering on the verge of writing a novel alongside season two of reboot. Cool, but it's a lot. Yeah, and I don't know if it's interesting because the novel I want to write is is basically the story of Ugly, mm. like him from age. The ugly truth day. Basically, from him from age whatever age yeah. he starts his journey in the slums, uh, all the way up to establishing his enterprise, meeting Zhang and everyone, and, mm. and then hiring S. Effect. He walks through the door. The book will end with him hiring S. Effect. I highly encourage you to do that, not only for our audience but also so uh, we can turn into a graphic novel. Yeah, as someone <laughs> who makes a lot of crap. A lot of good stuff I'm proud of. I don't mean crap as in bad stuff. I just mean stuff. I put, output a lot of stuff and it, stuff always gets better. So, like, I know if you did something, it would be good. But I know you, you tend to be quite harsh. You have quite harsh standards on yourself. So I think your best thing would be to do it and put it out and then feel like, okay, I should do it better and do the next one. But you have to put it out and I reckon that would be awesome. It's the same with art. You always need to finish yeah. the piece. You never stop and then you say that's finished and then you move on to yeah. the next one. Don't, don't start the novel that never ends. Just yep. start it, end it and, end it. and it, let it be good enough so you can do the next thing. Hmm. That would be really cool because I want to read it. Yeah. Well, I think... Well, no, that's not true. I want to listen to it. Once yeah. you narrate the audio book, I think there's only going to be two seasons of reboot. You reckon? I think that it will end at season two, unless it's very, very popular. Mm. And then I will do one of those things like a showrunner of a TV show where I actually halfway through go, oh, this is really popular. I need to start mm. planning for season three. But I, I do intend, I think, on wrapping it up uh, in season two. Mm. And I think that I, I have I have plans on running a fantasy thing of my own. So um, I'd very much like to run a fantasy thing campaign after. Mm-hmm. but I th- Or a sci-fi. So either hard sci-fi like space adventure or it would be um an a non european fantasy so it would be either like inspired by like japanese myth or or like some can i can i pose japanese myth can i pose a question to the group and just cut in in between all yeah go for it um following on what dave said for you two what is another theme for a campaign you would run if you could dm that is such a feels like such a big question um go I have so many ideas. Okay. So many. Mm-hmm. I have like half. I have like half <laughs> developed like three and a bit campaigns in in the last eighteen months. Oh wow, that's cool. That's okay. Can you give us themes or? Yeah, yeah. and it's really funny because the one I spent the most time on is the stupidest one. It's a western. <laughs> yes, that's cool. Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh. I love it. Damn, I Rob. Love it. I love cool. it. You um, might just have yourself oh your first boy. player, my friend. That's what I mean. It's just it's yeah. the stupidest idea. Could you could you run it as a night park? Maybe. <laughs> 
Because that I, I don't think it would be wise to commit to for a full season. And but I agree I, with I that. Think as a, a, to commit to the flavour for like a, an eight-episode miniseries would be... I'd totally be behind. Well, I'll be a monkey's like uncle. Might just yeah. get off the ground. I reckon I could probably like like mash it together to do that. That'd be really cool. The, the reason I don't want to put too much time into it though is because all I can think of is exactly what Dave's just done. It's four Australians putting on terrible <laughs> southern accents. I love the idea of vocal coach group stuff or individual stuff, but I, like yes. I think I feel like we're all on board to the extent that like we like like adding as much yeah. realism as possible totally. and feeling empowered to do that. Are you saying work-related vocal coaching? Oh, no, I'd hate I'd hate <laughs> yeah, to do I'll that so. and learn how to be a better voice actor. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, it's one of the reasons that Brick was really fun for me. Uh, it's the first time I've really put on a voice. Yeah. And like, you I, so well. Are you going to be sad going back to Seb? Kind of. Are you going to – why don't you find a voice? There's no reason there isn't a yeah. new voice for Seb in season two. Uh, Seb, or even just Seb got kicked in the throat twenty so times, and now you know, he has throat have, kick. Voice. I have already thought about giving him a new voice, and I actually thought of a storyline that would work for it in a way. Okay, he got kicked in the throat twenty times. Worse, <laughs> he got stabbed Removed. in the throat. He got his yeah, throat yeah, ripped, ripped out. out. Yeah. That's good. Oh my god, you could be like Deadpool, and he could have baby throat. <laughs> Hi there. Hello, I'm Seb. <laughs> My Larry. That's it. That's what he yeah. does. He comes in and goes, ah. Yeah, but putting on the voice for Brick, even though it was with, a, was with a modulator, was like such an interesting challenge. And like I knew going into it, if I did it for episode one, I had to do it for everything. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. there are other like small one shots and small mini campaigns we've done where I've put on a voice and it's only. It was such a, a good proof of concept, though. It worked so well. Yeah, it I worked was, really well. I, was really I find it jarring when I don't hear Brick's voice come out of your mouth. It's yeah. really interesting. Like, it's it's weird. I watch the videos though, and I can hear it better with the modulator on the video. Yeah. I still like it. Yeah, but in my head, his voice is different because I hear my own yeah. voice. Yeah, and um. They were, like, making up bullshit Brick quotes in Discord the other day, and I'm like, yeah, I get to listen to that in Brick's voice, <laughs> like, free of charge. We've we've gone through, like, tangent after tangent. <laughs> in, in answer to Spaghetti Jim's Western, question, yes. uh, my thought would have to be something futuristic just because yep. D&D will always tend towards D&D, Dungeons and & Dragons, mm-hmm. and I will always tend towards medieval fantasy and there's Sunder, which I'm already committed to. So... Um, but at the same time, like, if someone else is narrating it, it should be open to what they want to run. So yeah. I, I, for me, yeah. if I was running the next thing after Reboot, I'm literally 50-50. But if I ran sci-fi, I would want to run, like, the Expanse-style hard, like, dirty, gritty sci-fi where, like, obviously there'd be some really sci-fi elements mm-hmm. to make things work, like Fast and Light Travel or whatever. But, like, that gritty, like... F- the vibe of of basically cowboys in space, not actually mm. cowboys, mm. but like it's the frontier. Yeah. You know, people are struggling, supplies are scarce, people have like beat up old mm. ships that they've jury rigged together. But then the like government ships come through and they're all sleek and covered in military weapons, and they're like, mm. all our fucking taxes go to this, and there's no one we're even fighting. Why do they need you know that mm. kind of world where it's like, yeah, cool, yeah, like Farscape, yeah, Farscape is that or- where they're, or is it is it Firefly, where they're like they run the government yeah. is like super funded yeah, and high Firefly. tech. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Firefly slash Serenity. Serenity. Yeah, 
Yeah. It was super cool. 50-50. What's the other 50, Dave? Oh, it was, um, it was, uh, it was basically Japanese or, or basically fantasy, but like Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, like that kind of like... Like dark fantasy. D&D, but not D&D, but based in a different culture. So you have like... Uh, like so cool. Oni and like yokai. the yokai and stuff yeah, rather cool. than that. And you're in a completely different environment where it's all. One of my longer weird. running group campaigns from way back was based in an existing property. Shin Megami Tensei. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the yeah. Sonus. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, Shin yeah. Megami I know fuck all about <laughs> it, but I've played in the world for years. I know. That's so cool. Decent. And oh. I played Quetzal Quotal or some like. I've you actually played as one of the the demons, the personas in Persona. I don't know, but I yeah. no, I pa- I played as like a Naztec god. Yeah, and we were all like gods or whatever. That's yeah, sick. that was like one okay. anyway. I love. I don't that. know. I just add that tidbit. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, cultural stuff. Cool. Shimigami yeah. Tensei is fun because it's all the cultures. Yeah. Because the idea is basically it's reflections it's of belief. So like yeah. every universal world culture actually is manifested as different deities mm. and creatures and they're all in the same melting pot, which is fun. I want to super quickly just say that if I had the opportunity and I got a lot better and a lot more confident, I would run um, like Dark Fantasy or like Cthulhu. Or like, oh, like Gothic? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like vampires, werewolves or I, so cool. I want to run a Souls-style so badly, like a That'd From Software cool. style game. Like it would yeah. not necessarily in that world, but that like that vibe. Eight, like Horror, ten, yeah. five thousand years ago, the height of society is fallen, and you are like the dregs of a dead golden age in this fucking brutal dark yeah, world. I just right. love it. Sorry. Comments, comments on all <laughs> platforms, please. Yeah. Feedback because there's a few things thrown out here, and the reality is a campaign is a commitment. Yeah, so totally. all of that is very cool stuff. We could certainly dive into as players. But, you know, listeners and viewers are, are a big part of that choice. Mm-hmm. We need to know what you want because we don't want to go into this maiden list. We need to really understand what we're getting into yeah, and whether absolutely. we're supported. Yeah. Um, Amy Huntley has a few questions. They're all pretty small, so I'll just go no through No idea them. what I did. That, they didn't catch the reference. No. I Elden, think I it's did. Elden Ring. It's okay. Elden Ring. Uh, Q1. Uh, what, were the sh- what were the Shadows and Harold's powers? I'll get to oh. magic later. Mm-hmm. Q2, how exactly did Mikey get his mouth back? It was an illusion is the answer. Q3, were the other prisoners, where were the other prisoners, were there other prisoners in the right? dungeon? <laughs> there were. Yeah. There may have I been. I forgot to do a perception they, check because I was too busy. You running. didn't go down any more stairs. Unfortunately, the stairs would have gone a underground. Fell on that them. Is true. It was underground, so oh. you don't know. Yeah, but, someone did mention because I was watching squished. Twitch. Someone was like, "Is anyone in the dungeon?" I'm like, "Oh no, <laughs> I'm not dead. <laughs> I'm just not gonna." I was just chilling down just there. Just gonna leave it alone. <laughs> Question four: Since Catalina's half was the was first owned by her father, was mm-hmm. the magic his first? Which I kind of alluded to he before. The did. answer is yes, but I wouldn't say he had skills in magic per se. But mm-hmm. it was the origins of the magic within the harp, and that's a whole, a whole separate it's magic story. item. Yeah, essentially. but Catalina got skills. That's really oh, she what got it comes skills. down. Yeah, Q five. <laughs> Are they picking up sausage on the way to the barrows? We dropped him off at the yeah, town. You have to circle back <sighs> unless you can send a message to get him chucked on a Surely. raft upstream. Yeah, we Surely. can. <laughs> oh, we'll go back and get him. <laughs> I'm getting the nods like, that better fucking happen. Right. <laughs> that, that pony better be there. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, jeez, right. the pony's coming. 
This pony is going to be dragged across the sea and on every event. He'll end up, he'll have seen Falmore and Thanissia and the. I'm going to now treat him like a king and make Mikey watch. <laughs> be like Mikey. Take care of your pony. This is what loyalty looks like. <laughs> you see how he's he's staying where I left him. Yeah. <laughs> Good. You see how his flanks are becoming <laughs> fat with the with the food that I provide him because he's happy and does the right thing. <laughs> Tickle duck. Uh, question one: Will you continue working on the bestiary? Quick answer is yes. The other two questions: Magic tome. I'll get. To, I will go through that later in the uh, this video. So, question three: Would Jazza and Dave be willing to make a video on how you guys go about making large role play campaigns and worlds? Oh, you know. I'm about to make one, so I think probably. I think that would be a good um, Patreon. You know, how well, actually, you guys do the one-on-ones, yeah. Actually, we're excited to be presenting by World Anvil. Bit of a oh. bit of a yeah, we're world creator. <laughs> great, great. We're I gonna, watch that. Yeah, we're going to do a bit of a run through about how we both approach building worlds, and uh, yeah, I'll give you a first free tip. Step one: lay in bed with insomnia and listen to your brain as it goes. Get out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Rebecca Falage says, question for Rob. Since Phalancool are being bred, I'd assume that Brick had a lot of half-siblings. What kind of relationship would they, if any? I thought that question was going in a different direction. Yeah, me too. Is, anyone, is there anyone Brick is closer to? Maybe someone to contact? Um, so my head cannon for Brick, because we really don't know much about his past... Is it, mm. You're the runt of the litter. That was what I remember. Uh, yeah, or he, he is it? the runt of the litter. But before he was a certain... You can feel free to dispute any of this. But in my headcanon. Uh, give, me, give me your headcanon. Yeah, so prior to him being in service to Medela's family, um, he was actually trained uh, as a warrior for the, the Phelan. Uh, and... You know, they're militaristic in, in a way, so there's large groups of these phalanchal warriors. And uh, the group that Brick was in was sent off to do some, some dirty work and fight some people. Uh, and essentially, these were the people that he was, that he was you know, raised with and trained with for the majority of his life. Uh, and then they were all slaughtered and he was the sole survivor. Uh, and like that's one of the reasons why failure is a really big thing for him. Failure in his duties because it's it's not so much about fighting to kill people; it's it's fighting to protect, uh, and that means protecting. You know, is that how he lost his ear? Yes, your brothers in arms, and he's let them down and failed, and he was the last one. And returning back to failing society as a runt that lived, he's kind of like even more mm. shunned. And mm. maybe they let him live. Maybe, who knows? As like a disrespect I thing. I can't wait to see how all that unfolds. It's so exciting to me, just like yeah. the impact that players can have on the world. Like I mm. made the whole world hoping that it would be torn apart and fall apart brick by brick in the way that the players yeah. want, which is really fun. Ha yeah. <laughs> ha, brick by brick. Yeah. Uh, but um, the, the crux of it is that, yes, there were people that he, he, he mm. did like and he was close to mm. and he failed them. Mm. Mm. I think my world-building input on that just... Also, maybe I guess you'd have sort of taken and think about as well is basically like the allusion to uh, Orville Ainsley. Um, but he basically bought two Falcon to breed. Basically, yeah. it's like added value in his his mind. But yeah, it's a hundred percent treated like livestock in Falcon society. Treated and treated like livestock, meaning bred in the same way as as horses or drakkar or whatever. But also like you know 
yeah, take the kids away and put that. That's the strong one. Mm. Let's put them on the front lines. Let's, you know what I mean? So family isn't really a thing for the failing call. Whereas a, a kinsmanship or a brotherhood certainly would be because that's all they would be, sort of would have. Kind of natural to yeah. develop that if that's all, all But be pretty have. buried. So you yeah. sort of find ways to conceal it in a way that the failing call in their minds could see it as acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Cool. cool. Thanks for the question. That was a really cool question. It's sad. <laughs> Casey Brown. Chef's kiss. Oh, thank Aww. you. Wait, am I skipping? I'm skipping. Sorry, swimming scribe. You're next, <laughs> Casey Brown. No cutting. <laughs> I just skipped. Sorry. Swimming scribe. Uh, thank you for the compliments. Uh, question one and two. One, if Delvin had not been forced to reveal his combat abilities and subsequently his Sparrow persona, were you planning to reveal the Sparrow this season or keep it secret even longer? Oh, I know the answer to this one. I think I know the answer to this one. And the question two sort of feeds into that. If you plan to reveal the Sparrow this season, how and when would you know it would have happened? So it's basically talking about what if we didn't. Jazza was team reveal Sparrow. I was team don't reveal Sparrow. Mm. Uh, and, you know, we, as Chaz said earlier in this video, we went back and forth and ultimately made compromises both mm. and agreed both to what I th we thought would serve the story better. But I think originally I was pushing uh, what I wanted was it to be a the Watcher reveal to be a bigger deal uh, in the Ainsley negotiations at the end and him being a Watcher being the season one reveal and then Sparrow kind of percolating over the first part of season two and then the whole Barrow and Revolution thing and that becoming part of it. Um but all all odds of that happening disappeared when we met uh, the Terminator in guard armor, and we needed to kill him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there was no other way out for Delvin, which I find really interesting because it was maybe two or three episodes prior to that that we basically had a chat, and I was like, I really think it's got to be this season because. I felt like the Sparrow reveal being separate from the... I felt two things. Separating those two reveals would kill the potency of the second reveal, mm -hmm. but also having the second reveal a season later would totally be like, this isn't a moment anymore. It's like you'd have to build up from scratch. Um, so it sort of felt like it was becoming an arc of the first season to me, and, and obviously as the narrator, sort of like have to feel my way through the arc and talk to Dave about that. Um, and you were really on board at every step about like you were really open about it because, but you were also really open with your feelings of what would be cool and the ways you envision things. And I really wanted to make sure that I that think was looked after. Uh, Rob and I were similar, and we both had a really clear end goal that was kind of at odds with playing a role playing game. Yeah, like if I'm honest, we both wanted a thing, and you were waiting for it in the last episode. You wanted a moment that you'd kind of planned. And I was the same with Sparrow. Where I had yeah. this image of I really wanted Ainsley to not know I was the Sparrow and, and me to basically mm. be like, ha-ha, and reveal to everyone that I had all these talents and abilities and be really cool and epic and save the day. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, but it just wasn't going to happen. And it would, have been, it would have been so hard to role play the finale. Like it just would have been impossible. <laughs> yeah. And then on top of that, do you know what I also love? How organic all this stuff is in the end. Sorry, I need to switch to like the bloody... <gasps> Delvin portrait. There we go. Uh, I love how organic it is in the end. Where like, <laughs> I'm in charge next season. Yeah, no, I'm in trouble. Oh. Um, <laughs> I love how like 
it's almost like the finale encapsulated what the theme of the first season was, which was about freedom and about um, self-sacrifice yeah, yeah. and putting others first. And I just thought that was so cool. And I think, yeah, like you sacrificed a vision of like the Sparrow Reveal and that was part of your own story. But then that actually tied into that seasonal theme, which is really cool. And you got merch, so. Yeah. Dude. Like. It's the coolest you know. merch. I, I love how, like, organically stuff comes up. Like, Brick's intent was never to be... Like, th- I didn't go into this and I'm going to make a slave character and his goal is to be free. It was never the intent. No. Yeah. And then... I don't no, know. but by, mm. like, episode 12 or so, you definitely expressed that you had a vision of, like, what would be cool. Not necessarily yeah. what you... Yeah. It was, like, what will be an awesome... Wouldn't it be great if Brick could do this betrayal thing at the... And get Ainsley? Yeah. yeah. 100% that, that was exactly it. But that's mostly because I didn't expect the ownership of my character to be transferred to a maniacal oh, evil person. fucking hell, man. Um, you played us so many times. I, I loved the party. I can't be played. You can't play me. You can't play me anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be the narrator. And my power kick's already starting. <laughs> <laughs> the, the sad reality for you, though, is you can't hurt me. Because I love the pain. I fucking love it. You know, there's a You'll hard- be like, oh, I'm going to get you. I'll be like, yeah, get me. There, yeah, he, he, oh, he could just do it worse. He could just kill make you me cry. Really, please make me cry. But if it's like he kills you in a really unsatisfying way. Oh, yeah. gets, now that's probably that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you're, just get you're, the way you really get at me is to be a shitty narrator. Like, that's <laughs> really going to hurt. Like, <laughs> Auntie Donna style, you've got cancer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rude. sorry, what? No, you just do. Yeah. Um, so, on that note, <laughs> Casey Brown, how did you think of this world and characters? How do, I think it's their well-being questions. How did you think of this oh. world and characters? Because the second is, was there anything left out? Places, people, etc. Um, I was in Tahiti, had a lot of time, and it was relaxing, and I got to... I was building cogent roleplay. Oh, so, so then for your... You, the, the thing that you two record, the first point is go on a holiday. If you want to build your own world, go is on a it? holiday. All right, well, Jen, like I it. get the picture. <laughs> <laughs> we can't go anywhere because the world is locked down. Go or at war. Or, or going anywhere costs an absurd amount of fuel. Yeah, true. Not in true. plane tickets. Not in plane tickets. We saw a $300 return ticket to Hawaii. Oh. Take it. Um, that's not how life works, Rob, but it was a cool thing to see. Rob's like, I'm going uh, to tickets uh, to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> see ya. <laughs> Hard to get to Hawaii. Hey. Hey. B-movie. There was a thing. What's the thing? Oh, uh, had you read any books on your holiday? Or prior no, to your holiday? No, because I don't read books. I listen to books. Even but- Even seven years ago, you didn't read books? Yeah. Did you listen to books seven years ago? Yeah, I did. But were there any prolific authors around the time that you were interested in? Oh, I see where you're going, you cheeky <laughs> shit. <laughs> I hadn't read it, by the way. Has at Rob that stage. already really? gone Yeah, yeah. Don't I hadn't you read it. Hate that. Yeah. And I can, I, I sort of get where the accusation's coming from. The accusation. It's not, a, it's not an accusation. No, it's a funny observation. observation. Observation that there are parallels between Brandon Sanderson's world building and Sunder. Which I can see, but at the same time, I think there's also stuff that hasn't been revealed that is a bit different, he said defensively. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. 
I wrote Reboot and fucking was it beyond Detroit Beyond Human or Cyberpunk 2077 one of the two came mm, out it was, be, it was 2077 after I had written Reboot but before we re, like had started it yeah. and I'm like cool 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 all these yeah. people like that's so much like this that's, and I neither yeah. played a second of Detroit Become Human nor had I yeah. played a second of Cyberpunk 2077 and there were all these mm. parallels I'm like no it's just coincidental because mm. the it's, fucking theme has tropes it's By easy the way, to draw total parallels. tangent total tangent but in the video where I recorded with Rumi and we were reacting to my music stuff and one of them was my voiceover dub of Rebecca Black's Friday where I said, I did it first and Brock Thingo copied me. Yeah. He commented in that video saying, yeah, I totally copied you. Yes. I was like, fucking vindication. Two days later after my Rebecca Black video, he has the audacity to release one better than me and get 40 million views. Piece of shh. Wonderful and person who owned up to that and he made a better one. Well done, bro. Right there is where men find the audacity. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. <laughs> um, sorry, where were we? Anyway, tangents. Dutch Nicole. Uh, thank you for the amazing season. Oh, thank you for the amazing compliment and your patronage. Question. I love the way Brick decided to resist Ainsley and stand up for his friends and other failing. How did this feel for the other players? Oh. That's a cool question. Yeah. We had a Rob question. This was like Rob question. Ah, everyone yeah. but Rob. All right. That's good. Uh, I think it was pretty. Okay. So you, Rob came to us and was like, I want to do X, right? And we were like, that's cool. It's your character moment. All good. And it wasn't what he did. He told us about something else. Yeah. And what are you doing? Nothing. <laughs> okay. Um, you've completely thrown me off now. Why did you get thrown off? <laughs> it's so big, baby. Like, you just got your hand in her face. No, I was just <laughs> yeah, fixing the camera. like this first. Yeah. <laughs> huh. um, he didn't tell us what he was doing. I thought it was really cool because it was super unexpected and it just felt mm. really, really right. And I was so certain that I knew you were gonna gonna sort of side with Ainsley, but then I didn't know what you were going to do from that. Yeah, I didn't know if you were gonna fight, if you're gonna stand back and go whatever, take Medela and run. I don't know. So I thought it was really, really cool. I was really frustrated. It took you so long to do anything. So <laughs> yeah, I, I want to defend that. that no, 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 you that's don't how have to you defend it. That's how you no, function no, no, no. in role. Because no, I, I get it. That's saying Dave was frustrated, yeah. but I understand why it happened the way it happened. It was fine. But from a mechanical point of view, I'm like, we're fucking dead. I'm like, if you don't do anything no, now, we're dead. Yet. So that was the major thing. Nothing had happened yet that, wanted me, that made me want to play my hand, right? It was waiting for that tipping point where it was, if I don't do this, yeah. then everything I've gained, I've lost. Mm. Like everything that I've gained so far, what we've been playing, is gone. Because you'll be dead, you'll be dead, Medela will be dead, and I'll be permanently um, enslaved. Brick as a character needed to know that the time had come for him to do what had to be done. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, yeah. that, that plays into the... Um, cat read my emotions and it was just nothing but inner turmoil and conflict. Yeah. 
I just love oh, that line. That is why we are broken. What was that in response to again? What was the, there was a line before that that gave that context. Ooh. But when you delivered that, there was definitely at the table this moment of like, oh, damn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that was like a. Mic drop. Yeah, yeah. I, got, I got really into that at the time. It was, yeah, it was great. so <laughs> good. It, it, was, was, so it good. was like a character assessment of the people who were being duplicitous and mean or ruling you, wasn't it? Something like that. It's like, I, we can't do this. We can't disobey or something. Yeah. It was something like that. Anyway, I, I also love that, like, the I think, what was it, the plant in your mind from Melba that's like that you're not broken. Like, that. Was, I didn't think that mm. that would be a thing. I, that was actually me as a narrator being like, do something. <laughs> you know, come on. Start shifting Pretty shit. Patience. Yeah. But it was like one of those little things that, like, that became a little okay, theme. And actually the fact that it's... Mm that question's come up multiple times about Brick's choice and the fact that we all had that response really feels like actually Brick's arc is one of the major, is the major story of season one because Mm. it's about, it was about Medela. Everyone was there to rescue Medela and Brick needed to switch uh, for Medela, for the party and for season two. So it really does feel like that moment and why that felt so cool was Mm. because that was like, here we are. It's happened. I was surprised that you didn't have a moment. There were a few opportunities that Dalvin and Brick had um, had to have a moment, and we'd kind of briefly discussed that we would potentially have a moment, and you didn't choose to take that opportunity. Why was that? You went in the bathhouse. No, no, no. Wait, oh my god, you're thinking of something very different to me. No, so Good what work. I was thinking of is prior to that's uh that's our beach episode, is back yeah. to the bathhouse. Prior to uh the session, I was kinda like, Delvin needs brick. This was out of character between Rob and I. Mm. I'm like Delvin just needs to needs brick to just oh, yeah, say yeah, it anything. Happen. It didn't happen. But I was like, why didn't you do that? So what I had said was I'm like, can if Brick just says like trust me. Or like one, one, not even a hundred percent concrete, but just a statement of intent that wasn't even a statement of intent, just something like that. Like trust me. Then that, like I was like, and, and that didn't happen. And I was like, why yeah. didn't it happen, Rob? Yeah. So I, I would say it didn't happen because things were going really slowly, and then it was on. Yeah. yeah. I was expecting a ramp up, and it just didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, that was the one I've said to I've said mm. to Jazza. The one thing I, if I had my cake and eat it too, I would have liked is I would have liked a little bit more Ains. I mean, in hindsight, we had no time to do it, but mm. a little bit more Ainsley sort of making a stew yeah. in what he'd accomplished and had yeah. that villain time of like, I have got your mother imprisoned and your mm. dad. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't. And that, that is one of those things that, like, yeah, in hindsight, I wish I sort of did that a little more, but. Yeah, I guess, and maybe the maybe maybe we should have split the finale and had twenty four chapters. Realistically, you know, to have a little awesome breathing room. Awesome. But as one chapter, it all felt really yeah. like a lot happened. It was really intense, which I like as well. So mm. I'm super curious. Out. I have to know. This is the only opportunity we're going to have to do it. It's the it's the Q and A. Everyone at the table, what was your emergency plan? What was your like your final? moment in the, if, in, the in the finale in your in your everything has gone to shit and this includes you yeah. as narrator what was the plan for your your like last ditch 
how were you getting out of that situation or digging yourself deeper I think into it? That Catalina wasn't like she was willing to sacrifice herself if it meant. But what did that mean, sacrificing? Like just hide under a table and get no, stabbed? No, 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 like, no. It was Medela was first priority. So even if it was like oh, shoving that. her out a window or, or putting her in Brick's arms or whatever. I'll it save be. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Learn to fly. Yeah. Like, Use your magic. Yeah, exactly. Well, even that, like breaking the harp was always something that was in the back of my mind where I'm like, this is going to be worst case scenario is that this harp goes. Mm. And like sacrificing her power. So, mm. and I mean, that's, that's what happened. Um, but yeah, so that was Did kind of, yeah, well, yeah, it didn't happen the way I thought it would happen. Well, she thought it would happen anyway. Mm. But. Oh, I see. Cause you thought you'd be losing. I that. thought that was yeah. it. Done. Oh. Because you had warned me before that, yeah. Yeah. yeah magic will go I'm to glad I warned you at the start of the season. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Anyway, that was mine. It's tough. And I feel like the earthquake definitely didn't help. I reckon any plans mm. I had for a last-ditch attempt were ruined by the fact that the building was collapsing. Yeah. Um... But I'd agree with Kat in, in regards to, like, Brick's first priority would be Medela. But I also logically wouldn't see a way out of that situation. <laughs> if you're stuck in the tower, surrounded by guards, you have to go in the tower, so it's full of guards. <laughs> so, I mean, like, put Medela in a corner or stand in front of her and just be like, come at me, right? Yeah. yeah. I had already begun my plan. So everything she... I was... I, I got to a point where the I box, decided... The boombox. I was like... <laughs> I was like, we're done. Yeah. I thought we'd lost. When? In honestly, the entire encounter felt so oppressive because we had no means to resist it beyond me. And if I didn't mm. if I'd rolled if I'd lost my mana on like the first two rolls, I don't understand how we could have possibly yeah. possibly come out of that. So I, I guess that's underestimating how seven watchers would have just killed people mathematically, mm. just moved through and slaughtered everyone. Yeah. But uh, maybe not too failing cool, though. So there were a lot of factors yeah. that yeah. started coming to the fore that yeah. made everything better. Yeah. If I can take six. Hey, I mean, you were done in the alley. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yes, yeah. I just, that's of course. Anyway, but, but, I just love how But Dalvin's thinking was he was done. Yeah. And my player thinking was, okay, now's the time to make the move. And that move was I'd already done it. I grabbed the box. And I was going to run while the person, the, the um, tatters had just been stabbed. I was going to run straight past them through the canvas and yeah. run straight up to Ainsley and just blow us both to fuck yeah. in the corridor and just yeah. kill us both yeah. in, in the moment and not care about anything. Just be like, if this, if, if Catalina and Brick together can get out of here with Medela and I've got rid of Ainsley, then I've done my job. Right. Do you want to know what mine was? Mm-hmm. I had a plan the whole time. My plan was actually... Ascension? Well, what what was my plan became the fallback because I'd switched tack mm-hmm. um, in sacrificing Medela. <laughs> but actually, all along, the bells... Mm. Oh, yeah, right. ...served no purpose in the end. Yes. But the original purpose was a time marker. Mm-hmm. Before to sort of like, okay, the earthquake is coming sort of thing. I was just trying to create a point outside of the room mm. that could ring a bell ah, because yeah. literally my original thought of how that would unfold is I would make, frankly, an almost impossible room mm-hmm. and 
it was set up to at the to, mo- at it, the moment of defeat the earthquake gave us yeah. an opportunity well yes and then also at the moment of someone's death which i felt was Pretty likely. Yeah. I kind of built the room that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because Ainsley would have, right? Yeah. Like, let's yeah, face yeah. it, he stacked all the cards against you. So I was like playing to that. And that it would have been like that was the moment where Medela's magic would be unleashed. And it would literally rewind everything up to the moment that. And I wrote his speech of like, welcome back, you blah, blah. I would have read that again. It would have been like, yeah. this would have been playing and you would have seen all three of you would have seen everything go back in slow motion until you're standing there at the entryway and then it would have been back to the welcome back. Mm. You the, should have done that. That would have been but then, but then, But then how would we have had the advantage Do you know what though? I, like I 100% was getting the vibes. Five minutes in, I'm like, holy shit, this is a, and you woke up and it was all a dream. It would just ca- take all of the work everyone Ooh, had done. Yeah. Everyone was okay. fighting so hard through that meeting, and I just I was stupid to not factor that in. It was a fantastic no that that the fact that you changed your mind, but you had it there. Hmm. That's really cool because you like, had your if everything goes to fuck and it's unsatisfying, yeah. I can rewind it, but it's already there. Yeah. It's not cheating I, yeah. if it's there. Zhang driving the van in the alley, like it, yeah. they, they would, the pieces were there to help the players. Yeah, and I guess that then my answer is like. I made the impossible room and I thought it was, but it wasn't actually because I didn't want the players to fail. And the fact that they overcame the room 100% overrode my thought for what would be the story, which I think was, it just, it turned out cooler. Thanks, right? Dice. I, Speaking really of the impossible room, do you want to see the impossible room? Yes, because yeah. Dave and I drew a map. Oh my God, it's so oh, it's small. it's so small. It's so small. It's completely the opposite to how yeah, Rob and I thought of it. Yeah, we both drew maps of what we thought it was like and they were, really? and they were completely different. Okay, so podcast listeners can't see, but... Um, yeah, it's basically like, that's the size of the table. I had you like a meter and a half away from the table each. That's pretty much. That's the size of the chandelier. The red. So you pictured this? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So Jen was on board. I, I tried to describe it. I was probably a little bit further back, but I'm like, eh, This is, is that nothing right? like how I pictured mm. it. There's a fireplace. I scribbled that because I thought there's fire that Jen might use. There's the shadow. There's hawks, mish. Spatial awareness is so important. Yeah. Because yeah. so many decisions where I there was confusion. I was going to make a map version that didn't have all my clues. The red is like secret arrow mechanism, yeah. secret ballista thing, and then that's the trap. So these are, <laughs> that's my code. There's like traps, illusions. I added a couple in improv in roleplay. That's the coldish pick. Yeah, um, yeah so it's, it's all pretty much there. Um that makes so, everything yeah. makes so much more sense when I, I see agree. the room like yeah. that. Because there was decisions where I'm like, I stand up and walk across the table, and you were like, okay, you step on the table and step on him, and I'm like, I'm picturing this massive like political boardroom yeah. table that I like sprint down no, the table. I picture you jumped on, on this round table a meter and a half from yeah. Ashley, but I should have, you know, maybe I should have done an actual map. Or I, I was tempted to get Alicia, but she was finishing the post that yeah. day. I was gonna get to make a quick like spend an hour to make a rough three D representation. Of the room. But anyway, it's fine. We'll have minis next time. Yeah. <laughs> so I think there's only. I just want to say that second backup plan you had, I reckon it could have been really fucking cool if we had failed and everything was going to hell as the world exploded. And then Medela did a fancy magic power, mm. sacrificed herself, sent mm. us back in time, but cognizant of everything that had just happened. Yes, you would with, have. With yeah. clues that yeah. you would have left in for the how impossible, to beat the room. Exactly. And so that would that, have been fucking badass. Yeah. Well, I love that. 
Well, no, that was Medela would have been dead. So I I'm understand. I understand. Well, the that, fact that it what Medela's magic because the Medela's magic thing was always going to happen yeah. in in a moment, and the moment had to be smaller because it was, uh, which meant the call from Medela's magic would have been much smaller yeah. as well. So. It still risked her, but nowhere near as much. And the fact that then Dave was like, it's going to be an 18. And it was. It was just like yeah, the was cherry <laughs> on the cake of the season yeah. for me. That was so good. I will give you... Uh, do you want to, I'll give you an old bit of jam wisdom, though. Yeah. That would have saved a bit of trouble for you. Yeah. If you don't want a success or a failure, don't let players roll a dice. So that only the ballista mm. thing, you could have just done it. Like, because I felt like we got, we felt it was really cool what happened, but there was all this fighting against you because we were trying to save our characters and it made this friction where we're like, but, but I, but I want to use my armor. I want to do this. No, you've got these rolls. You've got this. We got to do everything we can to fight you so that we can survive. And it just meant that like, I felt like I've been doing that to a degree. Like you don't get armor save because it's a mechanical trap and whatever, you know, but like, but for the set piece, because afterwards I I felt dumb. I was like, Oh, it's a set piece. I felt like an idiot. I felt like I'd been mashing the controller in a cutscene trying to like swing my weapon, you know, like what was the set? Piece? The ballista shot and Medela's yeah. magic because yeah, it didn't okay. matter what the results of the dice were. Medela's yeah. magic was always going to stop it because yeah. that was the set piece. And yeah. it's fine to have narrative set pieces. It's cool to have narrative yeah. set pieces. But by doing the roll thing, it was five minutes of us arguing over whether or not Brick would take damage or not. And mathematically, yeah. Brick actually just would have taken no damage well, from that shot. Well, that's what I did. The set piece I did definitely override was the harp. Like, when you started to be more on board, I was like, you know, you ain't rolling for this one. This one just happens the yeah. way I need to say it happens. Because yeah. that one had... because Especially, in fact, actually, I'll put it to this. A shard had to break. And it was either Medela or the harp. And let a little huh. fairy out. Yeah. That's in my new fan theory, by the way. And by the way, if Medela had have died, she wouldn't have died. And this was the bittersweet thing I did love. Because her magic is time and space. Brick would have continued to dream. Medalla was. Oh, I know. Ooh. It's 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 a lot, but it's also like oh, my heart back. Yeah. yeah. Would Brick have got the time and space magic? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It's it's interesting. So I can still kill it. I, I, I said it. I think I said in Discord or, or uh, Twitch chat last week. Um, Rob wants Brick to have ma- magic. Mm. Brick has no interest in magic. Yeah. Yeah. In the set piece of the rewind that I had in my head, it would have involved this sort of transference that Delvin would have understood, mm. um, but that everyone would have sort of witnessed. That would have been... Mm. I, I do love the idea of Brick not getting magic because I also love the idea of Brick becoming like the archetypal new example of a magic yeah. fighter who mm. doesn't have magic. I love the idea of as Delvin gets better, imbuing all Brick's yeah. equipment with triggered, so Brick can trigger, so he can be like, Hoorah! and it does a thing, and yeah. like it shoots <laughs> fire off his armor or whatever. That'd but cool. Brick is like yeah. all his equipment, his Bardashay, he can be like, mm. you know, Karatur! and yeah. then it just yeah. inflames with fire, and everyone's like, what the fuck? I, you know what? We Brick, can do that. Brick is the person that he wouldn't even use a word. He'd just be holding his Bardashay, and he just and like if fighting was about to happen, and he'd just be like. Yeah, yeah, just flame ignites I on the end. I love that. Yeah. Season two. <laughs> also, season two, Brick is getting a full suit of armor. <laughs> Lobster <laughs> plate. Kidding. He looks at me menacingly. Like, Lobster plate, baby. Full suit so, of armor. so what, I had two things in my mind before they disappeared. Yeah. One was, that's an alternate ending, I guess. Can an alternate ending. Hmm. Yay. Yay. That's, that can be what we call it. It's yeah. the alternate yeah. ending. Sure. Um, but 
season, in regards to season two, um, <laughs> video game style. That was good ending. We got secret best ending. <laughs> yeah. you know, that was the good ending. The bad yeah, endings, everyone sad. dies. But yeah, yeah, secret no, best definitely. Um, I forget. I'm so sorry. That's Why right. did they do that to you? That's right. Um, Worst ending is we get the rewind, but we still fail. <laughs> <laughs> we fail again. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely worst ending. Uh, last question is from Narrator Dave. He says, wow, what great, handsome and lovely content creators. What a oh, sweet thanks. patron. Thanks, so Narrator Dave. Question, Jazza, what are you most excited about moving from Narrator to player? And how do you feel the experience of running recent campaign would change how you approach playing? That's a really cool question. I feel honoured to receive it from you. Because I'm I a have, patron of our patron. <laughs> because I have huge respect for you as a narrator. I oh, look yeah. up to you so much in how we oh. play. And a lot of what I've learned has come directly from you. Because I don't consume a lot of content and I don't even get to play a lot of role-playing games. Um, and I know how hard you are on yourself with your standards because you just like, you really want the best out of yourself at every approach. So... If that's really cool to see and it's even cooler to be a part of when you're a player and and you're leading that. It's really cool. And it's super fucking intimidating when I'm about to step into the narrator seat and be like, oh, shit, I, like, I want to hold up to that standard and I have an nth of the experience that you have at, at leading a table. So that actually really helped me raise my game and push myself, which I really appreciate. But holy shit, this is a level of exhaustion I don't love. Like... <laughs> My brain is overactive a lot of the time anyway. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to being able to unwind my brain between, I'll definitely enjoy the theory, theorizing and stuff because I've really enjoyed that and I will and enjoy that. you can that really for tuck in on the player side. It's fun. Yeah. Well, that player. is 100% my thing. It's like I am already starting to do with pro and I've already had a conversation with you about it. And I'm like already geeking out about, like I, I love role play because I love the theater of really diving into a character. And... I'm just so ready to do that. But like the breadcrumb thing and the self-doubt thing is probably my curse is that I'll always have narrating. And uh, yeah, that's how I'm feeling about that. Hmm. So shall we, I guess our last thing, shall we have a bit of a run through the magic stuff? Yay, magic. Yes. You guys interested in that? There's yeah. a, a number of questions. So. I am curious as well before we should, before we end, talk about what our plan is between seasons. Yeah. Not just what we're making, but sort of a rough time frame. Have we even talked about Yeah, it? let's do it. I'd say about how many? Five or six chapters is my guess. I think Someone I think else. conservatively I'm gonna say four. Four one and a half hour. Because we've got to factor wanna, in okay. you gotta factor in lunch. Yep. You gotta factor in So you setup, think two then up. two. I think it's gonna be two break two. Yeah, I, I feel like that's what will happen. It's possible we could get five or six, but I, I feel like my conservative, like, reliable mm-hmm. is we should get four. Hey, four great is better than, like, five or six yeah. squeezed. So, yeah, definitely, like, minimally four really quality chapters in a mini campaign that fit, fills the gap. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is... I like this as an idea moving forward. Like, I like having a mid-season, like a cross-season break that is substantial enough that people get excited for the break rather than yeah. feeling like, oh, yeah, no, yeah. you know, it's four or six weeks between the next campaign, so I'll start yeah. tuning out. No, it's like, oh, shit, they're going to amp it up a little bit. And I, and I think that's a really cool opportunity. I also think I'll give my little thing. This is a real palette. Cl- this is an opportunity for some yeah. fun because yeah. the characters that you guys are playing and mm-hmm. it's going to be like a little bit of a breath of 
relaxation, no stress. Yeah. And it's going to be really fun because we have set pieces. We have stuff to show and look at. It's going to be gorgeous. I'm really excited. I'm excited to play on it. Me too. You talk about me having narrating experience, but do you know how often I've played at a fully painted table (laughs) where the terrain, the maps, (laughs) the the minis, the monsters, everything Mm. is fully painted? Because the answer is never. Yeah. Because it doesn't happen. Yeah. Yep. So I'm so excited. I'm very excited. <laughs> uh, I do wonder if we should, I'm changing my mind, switch to like the 4K or 6K for the for the table cam. It'll just be a much nicer shot. So just keep that in the back of your head when we do the setup. Does that matter? I think that could work. The table cam. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I was going anyway, to penguin stand, but if you wanted to do it. No, no, I'm a tripod. I I'm mean the camera okay. rather than a micro studio using yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Magic. Let's do it. Sure, I, okay, so here's my stance. Season one, a big sort of world building exploration thing was magic. It was yeah. all about uncovering stuff, learning how it works, and also, you know, figuring out how it works mechanically from my standpoint. Season two, that's not the story anymore. So, mm-hmm. but from from my perspective, season two is going to pick up where the players can have an understanding of the magic system. We're going to put a bit of work, and I'm going to need some help into the magic system itself, so it feels solid and balanced and understandable, both to players and the characters I come up with. I just wanted to preface by saying that I think, in a way, it's kind of good that you've been very loose with it because yeah. I've had to learn how to use the abilities as a character who also doesn't know how to use the abilities. Yeah. So it's kind of really cool that you're going to, you'll define it in season two and it hasn't been defined in this season. Yeah. So I just wanted to preface by saying that, cause I think that's really cool. That's so cool. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Like I, I love that the, it, I always wanted it to feel like a genuine sense of discovery with yeah. the magic system, but that's not what season two is. The sense yeah. of discovery is going to be the world itself. Yeah. And that's exciting to me. And the flexibility of a soft magic system is amazing because you can yeah. use it and have it stretch and bend and need totally. to do what it needs to do. Yeah. When, you, when you do go into hard magic systems with heaps <clears throat> of crunch, a fireball is a fireball and it does mm-hmm. 86 damage. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It like, sure does. It, it, it does what it does. Mm. And that is it. And then you can't, as even a GM, yeah. I mean, you can't, a GM can do anything, of course, but it's still, you know, if you do it the here and there, sort of players feel like it's cheating yeah. or a little bit like, well, you gave that the extra thing so you kill the boss and that kind of cheapens it. Yeah. Depends on the players. But anyway, it, there's advantages. Don't feel like you have to apologize yeah. for it. But it's cool. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. And I, I think to a degree it'll, it will need to stay, remain a little soft in its mechanics. Hell yeah. Because it, yeah. it feels right cool. narratively. Um, but one thing I will say off the bat is Catalina still has her magic. The difference is, and and I, I the way everyone replenishes should still be the same. I might rework that with Catalina, mm-hmm. but um, so it won't be attached to the heart, but maybe the ritual is something that she feels she needs. But um, the difference is, well, you'll, your mechanics will be the same, except there is a living entity that has its own thing. Yeah. Cool. So as you build a relationship with that, like at the end, it might make its own choice or push itself or do Ooh, different things. So that okay. will be a fun. I have a big theory about that, your magic. Did you read it in no, the Discord? No. I think that the Shards of Sunder trap magic creatures or spirits or something. And I think that they are 
used to be bonded with humanity, the bonds of old, as in like an agreement, not like they, they helped people and then people imprisoned them mm. or something happened. And, and, and the, the Nin Iron Spire is, is like a big one. Mm. And and breaking the shard was actually f- the souls that yearn for freedom was in the prophecy. It was actually not a metaphor for us, but it was actually the thing that was imprisoned in the shard and, and your emotions freed it. And now it is free for you to recreate the bonds of old will be known again or whatever the, the line was to recreate mm. those bonds of old to free what lies at the heart of Iron Spire. Mm, it's a good theory. Cool theory. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So the magic system. Yes. I've got seven classes mm-hmm. and each of them come in pairs. But one's banned because only I'm allowed it. <laughs> <laughs> the first is fury magic. Fury magic contains both fire and strength. Mm-hmm. Then there is force magic. Force magic contains both fortune and telekinesis. And that's what Ainsley had, we think. Oh, oh. Give you some labels. We were pretty much told Ainsley had that. No. Oh, okay. It is not. So I'll give you the labels and then I'll... I'll, You can make your guesses. Okay. But uh, Okay, yeah. No, make make your guesses as you go. Three is surge magic, which comes with both energy and lightning. Four, flow magic comes with both growth and water. So that's what uh, Eden probably had. Five is mind magic. Mentality is one class, and that's and what Ainsley had. Telepathy is the other class. Ooh. Six is shape magic, which comes with emotion and matter. Yo. So whoa, 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 whoa. Does your mana pool apply to both halves of it? We'll get to that. Okay. Seven is dimension magic, which comes with space and time. Just sounds freaking cool. And spirit. So the answer to that is I don't 100% know yet, um, but my gut says maybe, probably. What what I know it accounts for is you can only hold within yourself two of the same class. Yeah. So you can't internalise or have a bond or have within you that isn't an item uh, to uh, two different paths of magic. But I... Catalina within herself, if she... Oh, okay, so let's say Delvin within yourself, you could have... Um, you could have time and space and spirit, but you can't have Search. spirit or uh, and water or anything else. Time and space sounds like Medela has the same one as me. They're in the same house, yeah. But uh, so that's the rarest one from what we know, based yeah. on what. So uh, Medela might have it too. Might have the same one as you. Or have I got, I've got spirit. You've got spirit. And spirit is the one, is the rarest that we've and found. And spirit can, and a few people have pointed out, because I did say this earlier in the campaign, read fortune is a skill that can be used by either class if the other class is held. I think, So if you have spirit and time and space, you can attempt to read Is it fortune. three? Is it time, space and spirit? Or is it time and space no, it's, is one? it's time and space is one. I personally think straight away that... It's, it's, the, my, it's time through space. Right. Well, it's not really... Anyway. If it's the same shard, or is it a different... I, I feel like it should be one vocation mana for the thing, and then you can skill point into the two halves. Yeah. But you I might th- need to get something to do that. Yeah, I think that's probably how I'm feeling it would work. Rather than it being a separate pool of magic. Yeah, hmm. that's how I'm thinking it would work. You would need a bond with the shard itself, 
That, so, because the different classes, matter and emotion and telepathy and water and growth and like all the different things are are different types, like dog, cat, tree, right? It's a different being. Yeah. Um, but they like, yeah, that some like a dog and a wolf are in the same categories. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a similar idea, I guess. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's that's those. Unless anyone had any more questions or. I yeah, I just have thoughts, which is that I think mechanically it makes sense if you can bond to the two shards that mm-hmm. mm. they would use the same mana pool because otherwise it might be too mm-hmm. strong. Yeah, without it being removable, the items have the disadvantage. You can remove them from people mm-hmm. and break, disarm. Like your bardashes does this flame magic on it, and someone yeah. disarms you. It's like yeah. well, now it's not in your hands anymore. So oh, I might as well give you some characters, which is a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so Elspeth had both dimensions. Magics and was quite powerful, but also not like uh, a lot of people actually talked about in the theory crafting stuff. And that this was one of the ones that the now was hit on the head. She never had drive, but she'd always had magic and it always, you know, Mm. just found the gift or had the gift or whatever. But yeah, and it makes me feel like this is something that is so important for Elspeth. She chose to die, is my personal feelings. Mm. She knew what had to happen. And this now I understand furthermore and how rare and valuable it is because she knew the King of Flames could not have hold yeah. of that magic. Yeah. By the That's way, belief. every school of magic, aside from having spells and, and skills and stuff, um, has a backfire. Yes. So that if you possess it yourself, there's a backfire. And a fun thing is mentality, which is Ainsley's magic, the backfire is claustrophobia and agoraphobia. So he actually was agoraphobic. He rarely left and was always heavily protected. He was super paranoid and claustrophobic, like specifically about space, leaving outside. That's why he controlled all of that. Um, yeah. Oh, What's Jen's backfire? Ta- time and space, by the way, the backfire is age. Ooh. And Madala is going to be slightly, like, weirdly a year older all of a sudden. Oh. Just, like, physically. Do you do a, cool. Is it definite or random? It'll be... De- uh, in that case, it would be definite. We yeah. also... Because if it's not that, is because, like, is it random up or down? <laughs> or is it always older? I think it's always older. I think the way it pulls on the life force. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I just, I just find it really funny where people age into uselessness. It's yeah. like you do this really powerful thing, you de-age 10 years. It's like, but my character was 18. It's like, <laughs> you're eight now. <laughs> you suck. Your physical stats are useless. Yeah. yeah. Um, or you accidentally aged. Yeah. So Eden, oh, Eden was growth. Yep. Um, <laughs> Melba is telepathy. Yep. Uh Anyone else? Yeah, I mean the water girl was the water one, and yeah. flow, flow, water. I think the dimension yeah. spirit one, the one you and the mother have, are definitely like the kick-ass ones, which is like kind of fun for the story. That hell yeah, they're all awesome. They're just the meta, the most. Meta. Yours needs other stuff for it to be worth anything. Mm. Um, otherwise, it's sort of useless. But yeah. with the value magic holds in the world, it's. I think knowing that, and I, Dalvin will definitely be trying to find dimension, time, and space so that he can yeah. have more power. I feel like I feel like yours is like the the big moments one, like um, 
you know, like like this, it'll be the big story arc stuff. But I think Jens is the episode to episode one. Yeah, which but is kind of cool. If I got time and space, think about how perfect that is for the arc of the Sparrow. Like, oh, I yeah. need to slip across this alleyway without the poor innocent guard keep giving me. Time pauses for three seconds or whatever while yeah. I dash across the alleyway. He perceives nothing. Like, I was excited. Kind of I was excited with the alternate ending that that would be yeah. Rick's power. That yeah. you'd be able to like freeze someone like a yeah. moment in time for a split second and I, I, I like the, and I, their heads fallen off. When, when you mentioned it, one of my first thoughts was like he'd be unkillable, not because he can reverse time, but because he can reverse time and know what he did wrong. Yeah. Let's think about this though. If we can only have one shard in us and there's seven in the game with two halves. It's way cooler for each of us to have a completely different like wedge rather than yeah. you having half of the same one I have. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad that didn't happen from a purely crunch meta level. And I feel like there's got to be limits. I feel like the limit must be too held. And I don't know. We'll figure all this stuff out later. I'd go Osbert's power for brick. Oh, matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How would you imagine using it? Uh, I'd be indestructible. Cool. Like, legitimately, people yeah. would stab me and I'd be like, cool. Yeah. Knife turns into jello. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Very much. I think that sort of brings us to the end of our yeah. Q&A. We've answered all the cues. We've given the maze and uh, even more. There's, there's, some, there's been some juicy stuff here. But theory crafters. Do you, you don't get much of a vacation because I think reboot. I feel like Dave's going to have a lot up his sleeve. <laughs> there is so much. I really regret not one. having the music on the thing ready to do the official. Uh, anyway, ah uh, no, because when that does happen for the first time, it's going to be like, yeah. whoa, we're back in reboot. I want to miss Sunder. Ah, uh, yeah, me too. I will. I already look forward to season two. But I also look forward to being able to relax from a week-to-week basis, knowing that no one can hurt my character. I love that that's your motivation. <laughs> you have so much work to do. I just, like, get to show up and play a character. It's great. And I taught, taught you and you like it. I was going to say, get yeah. your head pushed into the sand please, for the 50th time. Please yeah. hurt me. Oh, my God. You and Ugly are going to have so much fun. Oh, hell yeah. Just, just, <laughs> just rocking up on the door of Ugly's Motors. Yeah. Shut with a shot, Zhang injured and just begging for help. Yeah. What a way to start a season. <sighs> well, on that note, mm-hmm. I feel like one last time we sit Yay. in the frame and we also are joined in a moment by our patrons who made all this possible. Thank you all for our answer, our asking the questions and for supporting us through a whole season and into the next. We appreciate it all. Uh, it's got to be that one. The Dark Fox. <laughs> Professor X1718. AJ Macy. Gil Hedris. Infernus Shadows. Tickle Duck. Aussie Alley Party. Thank you to all our patrons mm. who join us on these journeys. And we'll see you again. Mm. I inspire the journey north. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so stoked. Uh, it feels like yesterday that we started this season. And I had lots of hopes yeah. and zero expectation of what would happen because I had no idea what you would all do as players. But my my hope, my hope was that I could put you all in a sandbox that you would enjoy and I just knew and trusted that you'd make the coolest fucking thing ever and you did. So thank you so much for bringing it to life with me and 
I can't wait till thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You up there, Auntie, in every way. Yeah. This is yeah. so good. Thanks for creating an amazing world for us. Poking us and prodding us and pushing us in ways we didn't think we could be pushed. Group high five! Yeah! Yay! Woo! All right. <laughs> no one saw any hands. They were all in between the cameras. We all into vacuous, invisible dimension. <laughs> Thank you all for your support. Thank you for watching. Subscribe. I fucking. I mean, if you're watching the Q and anyway. And until next time. Bye. 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 Time to start watching reboot. Catch yeah. up. Yeah. Catch up time. And our mid season. Oh, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> See y'all. Bye. Bye.